you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. Hey, what's happened to Mike Schmidt, 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast? Let me tell you right now, this episode doesn't count. This episode will not count against your yearly count of 52. You know, I do a year. This is year 11. And in year 11, there are 52 episodes. Well, I will tell you, this year, there will be more than 52 episodes because this is going to be a different episode entirely. Uh, Not different episode. Well, first of all, hi to Twitch people who might be here because this is Throwback Thursday, Throwback Twitch Thursday, and we're going to put an older episode in here. And it is truly Thursday. I'm recording this Thursday, fucking morning slash afternoon, because, uh... I, I, I don't know why. I wish I could tell you, man. I wish there was a, I, I could tell you there was a way I could climb out of my fucking grave and tell you what the fuck is wrong with my brain, but there, I don't know. I just don't fucking know. And you're tired of hearing it, and I don't blame you for being tired of hearing it, because I'm just as tired of telling you about it. I'd love to be breezy. I'd love to just sit down and just fire off a whole bunch of ball ma. Like the ca- last couple of weeks, I just opened up the microphone and started fucking talking. And this week, I did that thing where you tell yourself, hey, you're not good at that. I don't know why it happens. I've got to stop it. I've got to go ahead and put it out like a goddamn forest fire, but it starts raging in my brain. And also it's because I don't leave these four walls. I don't go out, but I do go out sometimes. And when I go out, you know, what, you know what I feel? I feel so good when I go out, but yet I still dig in like a tick here in the apartment and you don't care. You've heard me say it over and over and people have been very nice. Our friend Jolene has reached out and explained, uh, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's told me what they think is up and I agree with a lot of them. Uh, and, and other people have said I should explore other things. Our buddy Fearful Jesuit, who I'm going to get to in a second, who honestly, I'll tell you this. All right. Like I said, this podcast this week, uh, it's, it doesn't count against your yearly, uh, your yearly list. Year 11. This one is just an outlier. This one just, this is a, a moose bouche, if you will. I hope to amuse your bouche. Have you brought your bouche? A tasty bouche? If you've brought your bouche, I will amuse it. And I, and I will amuse it with this particular show because this is a, uh, this is just a bonus show. And, and a bonus, you know, usually a bonus is a good thing. This is not a good bonus. This is a terrible bonus. This is like, you know what? This is the bonus that fucking Chevy Chase got in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Why did I, why did I play, say National Lampoon? See, I, you know, I could have just said Christmas Vacation and you would know exactly what I was talking about. And you know, I, had to, I, had to throw, I had to, I had to throw National Lampoon in there. I can't even talk. I can't even fucking talk because I'm forcing myself to talk quickly, which is silly. I shouldn't force myself. Well, I don't force myself and I talk quickly anyway. Uh, but I feel like I'm covering up silence and things like that. And you know, it's funny after that thing right there, I was like, I couldn't say national lampoons. Uh, I, I now want to, and I, and look, I, by the way, it's not national lampoons. That's an apostrophe S it's national lampoon. Please don't think I'm dumb and I don't know the difference, but it was national lampoons Christmas vacation. But a second ago, I tried to say national lampoons. Uh, it's like when people say, uh, uh they add an S at the end of words that they shouldn't add an S at. Um, I, I, I was going to think of a word, but now I can't, ha, this whole thing's a whiff, but that's okay. It's a bonus episode. And by bonus, I mean, uh, extra, it's an extra episode. Let's go. That's, that's the route bonus. Sounds like something you're happy to get extra episode. Just sounds like, you know what? Ah, this, this fucking came along. You know who I am. You ever go, uh, you ever go to a spa or buy things from a spa like soap or, uh, or scrubby face stuff or anything like that. And then they're like, Hey man, we're going to throw in some extra samples like bonus samples. And then you get them and it's, uh, 
I can't explain to you how small the the postage stamp size container of of lube or whatever the fuck they send you is. Like they're like, here, try our cucumber eye wash, and it is it is literally like an LSD tab. Like I, who the fuck? I, there's no lotion. I can't put this on my eyes. How do I fucking know if it works or not? So that's what this show is. This is the this is the tag along sample that comes with the big thing you ordered. Like the year eleven is you ordered that whole package, right? And year eleven just showed up, and you're like, "Thank God it's here." It's like a jack in the box. You're like, "Ding ding ding," and it pops out. And my head is there, and it's lurking, and it's beautiful. There's horns on Horn Boy. You love it. And then uh, you left in the. I'm, you know what? I'm actually left in the box. You know what this this episode is? I'll tell you this exactly. You know, what? I'm going to say it right now. This episode, when you order anything from Amazon, and I mean anything, I'm talking a pair of shoes. I'm talking a jar of spices. I'm talking a spatula. These are all things I've ordered from Amazon recently, which you could tell because they're fresh in my brain. I don't give a fuck if you ordered a Matchbox car or a fucking Cadillac. If you get it from Amazon, it's in a package and it is surrounded by plastic bubbles. Like, I, I, I mean, you can order the smallest fucking thing, literally anything, a salt shaker, whatever the fuck, and it is wrapped ensconced in huge plastic bubbles in the biggest box you could ever imagine. It's like, dudes, what a fucking waste. I mean, as if, as if Amazon wasn't destroying the planet enough. With all of their activities and, and, and non-union things and, and making people play video games at work. And did you see that? That's fucking true. Look, by the way, I have an Amazon link. You should go to MikeSchmickComedy.com and use it at all times because it keeps me uh, f- afloat. And I love Jeff Bezos and I certainly love Amazon. But at the same time, folks, uh, I heard a story where they put up a fucking video game in the, in the factories. This is totally true. And all of the workers are in the video game. And you're playing... Like they, they time you like they, they've turned your conveyor belt or whatever the fuck into a video game. So the faster you go, the more points you get and you can turn in these points. Like you're trying to beat your other coworkers. Like, yeah, man, this is totally awesome. Like they made it into a fucking competition. And if you beat your coworkers, you get like Amazon bucks that you can spend at Amazon. So it's not even like you get a bonus or money. They don't give you any fucking money. You're playing so you can say, ha ha, I beat you today at shift and you get 11 Amazon bucks. And, uh, can you, can you think of anything more? diabolically cruel than that. Can you think of anything more? I, I, cause I think I told you this, uh, and I, and it's funny to me that Amazon is just now doing it or that it's just coming to light. I told you that Uber does that. You know, I, I mentioned to you guys that when I played Uber, it's like, or played Uber. See already like, l- look at that. When I drive for Uber, it's a video game because they do that thing where you'll pull up at your house and it'll say, are you sure you want to go offline? You're only four rides away from having the most rides you've ever had. Like that kind of thing. And they try to, and, and it makes me laugh because it makes me think of the worst person I've ever known in my life. And this is completely true. The worst person I've ever known the, uh, the who's you, you ever hear the Grinch song and you know, when Mex did the version of the Grinch song, uh, you know, you're a mean one, Mr. Schmidt, uh, but that's his version, but you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Schmidt. Uh, I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. All right. Well, that song supposedly is about the Grinch, but I'm here to tell you that song is about the, my boss at load media. He was truly the worst person I've ever met in my life. And, uh, and just a bad guy. And he came from junk mail. That was where he came from. He was a young dude and he had worked in junk mail forever. And his, his whole attitude was, it's the way I would look at, um, I guess pro wrestlers have this same attitude when they really look at everybody in, in, uh, and take in who they are. And they think to themselves, you know, these guys, they look at the world as a mark to be fleeced. They look at the world as, as, uh, as a dollar signs. Wait, how can I trick this guy out of his money? Uh, 
All those P.T. Barnum fucking covered wagon and snake oil dudes from the Old West, all that fucking bullshit. Anybody who comes to town, any preacher on a soapbox, any of these televangelist cocksuckers who look at you and they think, oh, you know what? How do I get money out of this motherfucker? That's what Morgan was like at, at Lode. He was the worst person I've ever met in my life. Just a terrible, terrible guy. He thought, I told you, he he would pit everybody. He, he I can't imagine that he didn't become a, a, an MRU guy or, or MRA guy or a, or a pickup artist guy. PUA, that's what I was thinking of. PUA, MRA, men's rights, pickup artists, all those motherfuckers. I'm sure he's a Trump guy. It's uh, he's just a terrible fucking person because he looked at people as cattle or sheep waiting to be culled or fooled and 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 taken for whatever they had, whatever he could get from them, he would get. And I'm sure he's now positioned himself in some other grift. I don't know. I don't know what he's done with himself. Um, but uh, or did I know? I, I thought I did. I know at one point. I think I looked him up at one point. But regardless, the point is just a bad guy, and not not a bad guy. The bad guy. Fuck Razor Ramon. This was the bad guy. Fuck Scarface. Fuck Tony Montana. He was the original bad guy because he never. I I'm not sure he ever did anything for anybody without thinking about what he was going to get in return or as a way to control that person. He's just a bad fucking person. And, uh, and the reason I bring it up is because he, 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 you know, he was, he was, he must be flourishing in this world of corporate greed and assholes. I mean, because he was the dude he told me when he came from, uh, he would pit everybody in the office against one another. I think I've told you this where he would be, I could do your job. You know, the, the coders could do the writer's job. Don't pretend that you're fucking special. Cause you think you're a comedian, the coders, I could switch you guys out. You could go code and they could go and fucking write your job. He would do that to try to make you feel like you weren't important. And it was also a way to make sure he didn't have to pay you what he thought he had, what you thought you had to be paid. It was just fucking terrible. Um, and I feel bad for his assistant, Matt, Matt was the guy that I actually kind of got along with Matt did what Morgan told him to do, but you could tell Matt was kind of had his crisis of con crises of conscience, uh, crisis of conscience, whatever the fuck conscient conscientious crises, whatever the fuck you want to say. Um, I think Matt had grown up with Morgan and they had come out here together. But anyway, they worked in this fucking, they came from direct mail. Uh, and I've talked about this before, the fucking penny saver and all that bullshit. And he taught me the phrase fear of loss of gain. So instead of saying to somebody, ah, fuck man, you're going to lose all your money. It's, you know, if you don't get involved, everyone's going to get rich. And what are you going to do? Like that's, they spin it that way as a way to get your money. Like, Hey, don't you realize that everybody around you is getting rich? Don't you want to be one of the rich ones? And then fear of loss of gain will make people part with their money a lot more than the threat of taking their money away from them or cause or telling them they're going to lose. If you tell them they're not going to win, uh, hold on. Something just, uh, pinged. I, I apologize for that. Um, what if that was Morgan? He's hacking in, he's hacking into the broadcast. Holy shit. What's happening? Um, like if you tell somebody they're going to lose, they'll be frustrated. But if you tell someone every, everyone else is going to win except them, then they will do their best to try to keep up fear of loss of gain. And that's what all of this marketing is at Uber and all this marketing is at Amazon. If you go to Amazon, like I said, if they, if they're playing, if they literally have a video game, what if you went to your office tomorrow or where the fuck you work? What if you went to your Jolene? What if you were sticking pins in somebody and they're like, you know, if you could stick 45 pins in me, uh, that would be great. But if you did it in 15 minutes, you would actually get to beat the person next door who's sticking pins in that person, whatever the fuck you do. I don't know how it works with, uh, maybe, maybe acupuncture was not the best choice. 
uh, or doctors. I guess you can't really make a doctor. Hey, if you cure me faster than this, whatever the fuck. If you went to your job tomorrow, say you have a job, a generic job, just any job that you got. Um, who can I think of? I can think of, I don't want to start name checking people. I know who have jobs. But anyway, the fuck. If you were, if somebody went to your office and they said, hey, look, you're doing fine with your paperwork, but if you could somehow turn in 10 reports uh, before the guy next door to you turns in 10 reports, you'll win cake during your break, like a fucking sheet cake or whatever the fuck. If they, and just cheap incentives and bullshit to get people to go, oh yeah, I better hustle because it's, it's an easy way to not to give you money. I, I've talked about this before, dude. Can you, can you tell where my head is at? This is where I'm at today. And I don't mean to be here. And, and I, this is why we're talking Thursday instead of Wednesday. Um, should I even go into this? I don't even know if I, I have to. It's, it's not even about me. It's just, it's just in, uh, social media is poison. We all know this, right? Social media is, is, uh, is tearing us all apart from the inside. It's the same, you know, it's the same concept. You go to Instagram and you see everybody having this wonderful life and they're doing these beautiful things and everybody thinks they've got to try to keep up fear of loss of gain. That phrase has echoed in my fucking head since he said it. And now it's kind of, it's kind of the baseline of all social media. You see, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or fear of loss of gain. Like if you, if you see everybody having good things happen, you're thinking to yourself, well, fuck, what can I do to get good things? I've got to do whatever I can. Look at their fucking amazing life on Facebook or Instagram. And Facebook doesn't even count anymore because Facebook is now just, they've just become a television station. But with all these fucking little tiny sound bites of, of videos, I, dude, let me tell you something. If I have to see videos from 10 years ago ever again, I, I don't understand why I go to Facebook and everybody's like, uh, you know, I, and look, I love Mitch Hedberg and I say, I shared one of his things to my fan club page, but because I did that, all I get now every day is clips of Mitch Hedberg in my, in my TV feed on Facebook. And it's just because they think they hooked you in and that's the way you'll watch. And that's the way you'll see stuff. Uh, the worst is when they'll be like this epic, this comedian epically destroyed a heckler. And, and you're just like, no, he, he really didn't. I mean, it's, that happens in clubs every night all over the fucking universe. But just because somebody had a camera, you go ahead and put it up there and you, and then you put the words epically and, and people watch it and it gets a million views. And then you're like, what the fuck is going on? Why, who, why, why, why? And then guess what? That's what I, I say to myself. Well, then nobody wants to see me do a video and nobody wants to hear me talk. And I know it's fucking dumb. I know, I know, I know. Please stop. Shh. Don't yell at me. Uh, again, this is a bonus episode, folks. We don't have to worry about that. But it's just, it's again, it's one of those episodes where I'm just, I'm just fucking gnashing my teeth and rending garments. And I, and I don't know what the fuck to do. And I don't mean to be that guy. Uh, this happened yesterday during the fucking the N- NBA finals game. You might've seen this. All right. Um, and bear with me because I'm going to try to make this work. Uh, Kyle Lowry is a player for the Toronto Raptors. And again, I'm getting to a point about social media. I promise you this. I promise you this. Um, Kyle Lowry is a player for the for the Toronto Raptors, and he's playing the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. And yesterday, he dove into the stands to get a ball. Like, there was a ball that was going out of bounds, and he tried to save it. So he dove into the stands, and he crashed into a bunch of people. Okay? So he lands in a bunch of people. And uh, there's a guy there in a in like a fucking golf shirt, polo shirt, I don't know, rich people shirt, whatever the fuck. And uh, he's a white guy, old guy, gray hair. And Kyle Lowry lands in the stands and he's kind of there and he's kind of extricating himself from the stands. And this fucking dude shoves him, like just takes his left hand and kind of shoves him twice. Like, like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Like, and and I guess he talked shit to him. He swore at him too. Because Kyle Lowry immediately looks at him and he's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you can't put your fucking hands on me. Like, he didn't say all this, but I'm just saying you can see the look in his face. And he starts calling the refs over. He's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, this guy can't. 
Because I guess he swore at him, he called him names, and he pushed him a couple of times, okay? And it was fucked. It was it was not a good look. It was terrible. It was fucking stupid. And I, I look, I could talk forever about athletes because everybody thinks that because athletes make millions of dollars that they can be shit on at all times and nobody can fucking say anything about it. Uh, and But that's going to get to what I'm talking about here in the, uh, in the abstract because uh, today is Thursday and I saw the clip of the guy shoving him and all this kind of stuff and I, I was pissed. I'm just like, man, this is just fucking, this is how stupid it is. This is the problem. People think they can just do shit and get away with it. Uh, and, and if you want to get to a larger picture, uh, old white guys think they can do anything they want and get away with it. I mean, I just, I just read about a straight, straight parade. Do you hear about this? A straight pride parade. And I just, I laughed out loud. I'm like, I just, dude, what the fuck? And, and I'm not even outraged about it. I just think, all right, cool. Do Go ahead and do it. This is the thing that makes me mad. It's like, everybody's like, oh my God, I can't have a straight pride parade. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, yes, it is ridiculous. Let them fucking do it and ignore it. Live your fucking life. Who the fuck cares? But social media, everybody has to get their claws in. Everybody has to say something about it. And everybody has to go ahead and fucking broadcast. I hate the straight pride parades. Then everybody goes, that's brave. That's very brave. It's not brave. It's stupid. It's okay to hate stupid things. You can make fun of it. Like whenever I see anybody be mean online, I just want, I just literally want someone to just go, ha ha ha, dummy. Like literally just laugh in their face or anybody who's even arguing about anything. Like I, I just got a, th- a thing, uh, you know, I'm on a casting list. It's, and it's not, you know, it's nothing big. You could be on it. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not pretending like I'm an actor. It's just this thing where LA casting or casting frontier, you can sign up. And then if you put up your headshots, you will get, uh, emails telling you what roles are available. And I've, I've had literally, I've received one audition in three years from these fucking things. Cause again, with no agent, you never get fucking called. So sure enough, man, I fucking, I, I, yesterday I get an, an, a notice and it's a looking for a Donald Trump impersonator for a comedy sketch. And I literally read, I said out loud, I read it and I went, no, nope. <laughs> you know why? Because, uh, you don't need a Donald Trump impersonator. There's no point. Also, that is not a comedy sketch. If you have a Donald Trump impersonator, I guarantee you, you're not doing a comedy sketch. You're doing your version of politics or whatever the fuck you think you're doing. And it's, it's pointless and foolish. And everybody is so dug in on either fucking side that you're just pandering at that fucking point. There's no reason. And look, I understand the instinct is there to make fun. And I get that. I make fun of fucking everything. But at the same fucking time, if you're getting a Donald Trump impersonator, you're already behind the eight fucking ball because you know what? Fuck that. Oh, so great. You're going to get a guy who's kind of fat in an ill-fitting suit with orange hair. And he's going to be a blowhard. Oh, okay. Well, we've seen that a million fucking times. Why not go get every rich person from a three stooges sketch or get, you know, some fucking like the great Gildersleeve or some other fucking old fathead through time. And it's just, that's all he is. He's just a caricature. He's, you know, you know who Donald Trump is? He's just the fucking, you ever see a Turkey with those white shoes on? You ever see when they cook a Turkey and it comes out with like white feeties on or whatever the fuck that thing that goes on the drumsticks to keep him from burning. That's how rich he is. They don't want to burn his Turkey bones. That's that's who that fucking guy is. So there's no point in making fun of you can't ma- you can't make fun of Donald Trump anymore. You cannot. You cannot lampoon him. He he is the shallowest pond in the world. And diving in there isn't going to find you any suck a new take. What what's your new take? We need a Donald Trump impersonator. What to purse his lips? And, and, and say, uh, you're fired. I mean, what the fuck, what are you doing with your life? (sighs) 
But 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 people continue to do it. Like and it's my fault. All right, it's my fault for paying attention to this kind of thing. But when I saw it come across, I cross. I literally said out loud, "No, no, no, no! You're not doing comedy. That's not a comedy sketch. There's no Donald Trump impersonator. There's no. There's nothing funny there. There's not. There's no. And I'm not even saying like there's nothing funny there. Like because the world is tragic and everything is being torn apart and you can't make fun of me as a despot and a dictator. Uh, whatever the fuck you think, that's fine. But what I'm telling you now is uh, there's nothing funny there because it's beaten to death. Literally, unless you had a Donald Trump impersonator in a horse costume laid dead on the on the stage and someone hitting it with a broom, you got nothing. You got fucking nothing, man, because it's fucking over. There's no point. We all know he's the worst. So what 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 what's your new spin? Part of me wants to even go see this sketch. What's your take, man? Let's see your new goddamn spin on Trump and make that happen. Let's see exactly what you're going to bring to the table. Oh, Oh, wait a second. Hold on. You think he's rich and out of touch and he doesn't like uh, foreigners? He might be a racist? Oh, hold on. Tell me more. Oh, how rich. How devilish. Why, I wish I could grow a curly mustache so I could twist it right now at your devastating repartee about our fearless leader, Drumpf. Oh, did you call him Drumpf? Oh, look at you. Oh, how foolish of me to think you didn't have a new spin. You called him Drumpf. Well, you've put him in his place. Har, har. That's what I say to you, friend. Har, har. Hardy, har, har. Look at you challenging norms by taking on our grand exalted leader. Oh, why I couldn't think you had it in you. How dare you? With how how sharp your teeth are. How how sharp your claws are. Oh, look at you tearing apart society by going after our uh, president. Oh, what? What's next? Would you would you go after the Congress? Oh, no, please don't. Oh, I don't know if my funny bone can take it. It is already burned black by the heat and intensity of your take. Oh, wait a second. Perhaps a white booty should go on my funny bone to keep it from burning even further as you take on Trump and the Congress with your bare fists and your poison pen. Oh, they never saw you coming as you savaged them and left them laying in a pile of dollar signs. Oh, you are, you are, may I say, you are too much, my friend. Get the fuck out. Jesus Christ. There's nothing anymore. There's nothing. You can't make fun of anything. You can't. There's no. It's all fucking over. It's over. And then there's not. And believe me, this does not lend itself to a comedy show. This does not lend itself to me being a guy who has a comedy career. But it's that thing where I get spun up and I get and I'm like and my dick gets knocked right in the fucking dirt. Because I'm like, well, dude, you do this. You're funny, and you try to be funny, and you try to lampoon shit. And then I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm just as bad. I'm just as bad, but I'm not just as bad. But I think I'm just as bad sometimes, but I also think I'm great. <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. I literally, I don't I don't even know how to tell you this. I'm right-handed, so I have to keep that hand free. But now, literally, if you ever saw me consistently at all times, every moment of the day, unless I'm sleeping or showering, my left hand is turning against the side of my head in a crazy person sign. Like, cuckoo, cuckoo, just to prove that I am crazy. I am nuts. I can't stop. Fuck! <laughs> yeah! <sighs> All right. I don't, uh... I, I don't, so, so, Kyle Lowry dives into the fucking crowd, right? And he lands on a goddamn, uh... He lands on the fucking... The, the, the rich people in the, in the courtside seats. And this guy shoves him and says some shit to him. And Kyle Lowry makes this face like, man, what the fuck? 
I, and he points at him, and the refs, the refs actually talk to the guy, and then finally they threw him out of the game. And the best part is him walking out of the game in his khakis and his fucking powder blue golf shirt with his gray perfect hair, and he fucking walks out. And then today, we find out that this motherfucker... Now, I'm about to say some things that are very obscene, so brace yourself. I know this show is usually walking the edge, and sometimes it can be explicit, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Get ready to throw up in your hand. This fucking guy, it turns out the dude, the the white dude who shoved Kyle Lowry when when he went into the stands, his name is Mark, uh, which of course it is. And that's no, I don't mean to be mean to Mark Young or any of my friends, but uh, it's... uh, it turns out that he is, uh, he's, of course, he's no ordinary fan because he's in the fucking courtside seats. He, uh, he's a minority owner of the Warriors, which, by the way, that phrase alone brings a, a whole lot of shit to the table, <laughs> especially in the NBA. Um, and uh, and he, so now he, he's a minority owner of the Warriors, but even, even better, get this, get this. He's a, uh, he's a Harvard-educated billionaire. And uh, and he's shoving a point guard. Do you know why? Do you know why he's doing that? Uh, because the rich can do whatever the fuck they want to do in this country and nothing bad will ever happen to them. You ever feel that? You ever have that course through your veins? You ever get that poison infesting into your blood and think to yourself, you know what? We live in a fucking oligarchy. and There's nothing we can goddamn do about it. But here, brace yourself. You want to hear about the really obscene thing? Uh, this guy apparently is worth two point six billion dollars. Two point six billion dollars right now in my bank account i have twenty six hundred dollars i think that's is that one one hundred millionth i i am i am one i'm worth one one hundred millionth what this guy who shoved kyle lowry is worth and look he's probably worked hard in his life i'm not going to go ahead and take that away from the guy he's certainly done harder work than i have as i hide in my apartment and pretend i, I should do a show but uh but $2.6 billion, that's, that's the kind, you know what that kind of money is? That's fuck you money, but not just fuck you money. That's fuck Kyle Lowry money. That's what that is. That's, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can shove a point guard if he jumps into the fucking stands and I can do it. And I own part of this team, motherfucker. That's, that's the entitlement built into that kind of money. But here's the obscene part. Here's the really obscene part. Look, $2.6 billion sounds obscene. Because again, you could just swing your dick around on a fucking street corner if you got $2.6 billion and laugh when they came to get you. And I got news for you, by the way, if you're a 2.6 billionaire and you just start swinging your dick around, you know what they're going to do? They're going to show up and they're going to calmly ask you to put your dick away. Nobody's going to tase you. Nobody's going to tackle you. Nobody's going to drag you off to fucking dick swinging prison. They're going to fucking look at you and go, hey, excuse me, pardon me, sir. If there's a chance that you could put your really rich foreskin back into your fucking exquisitely tailored pants, that would be fucking fantastic. Could you do us a favor? Could you, could you, and, and it is a favor, please understand we wear badges and we carry guns, but, um, but we know who runs this fucking joint. So let us say to you, sir, please, could you take your, your unbelievably valuable tallywhacker and tuck it back into your khakis? Could you do that for us, please? You're offending the homeless. Not that we give a fuck, but you know, it, it's just, we got to keep up appearances at this fucking point. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he uh, he's worth $2.6 billion. He's escorted out of the arena. And by escorted, I mean not by cops. He wasn't tackled. He wasn't fucking dragged. Uh, they sent a lanyard to get him. That's that's what rich is. That's what a billionaire is. If you, if you got $2.6 billion and you shove a fucking guy, uh, an athlete in the stands, you get a lanyard to come out and escort you outside. 
So they sent a lanyard to grab him. And look, I don't even know if they threw him out of the building. They probably took him to a fucking luxury suite and let him watch the rest of the fucking game because you know why? He owns part of the fucking team. $2.6 billion, he could be like, hey, uh, excuse me, I actually own the W in Warriors. So if you're going to throw me out of the building, they need to change out of these jerseys right now and just be the Arriors for the rest of the goddamn game. I'm taking my W and getting the fuck out of here. Uh, so they drag him out. And by drag him out, I mean, they come out and they say, please, sir, would you come with us? And he says, no, I'm rich. I'm waiting for food and money. And he's like, and they're like, no, please, sir, come with us because there are TV cameras. And he said, well, TV cameras, perhaps they'll show me as I walk out the door. And he pads out in his fucking orthopedic shoes and his fucking khakis, his clothes. Literally, I, like I said, I got $2,600 in the bank. That motherfucker was wearing more than $2,600 when he shoved Kyle Lowry last night in the goddamn stands. So this motherfucker gets, uh, they come to get him. And they're like, the lanyard's like, please, sir, would you come with us? And they go ahead and they walk out of the stadium or walk out. At least, like I said, I don't think they left the stadium. I'm guaranteeing they took him to a fucking luxury suite and he watched the rest of the game from in there. They're like, let's get you out of the sight lines of the fucking cameras here. So nobody fucking loses their mind. So, uh, so I find out today he's a billionaire. He's worth $2.6 billion, but here's the obscene part folks. Here's the very obscene part of all of this, uh, $2.6 billion. He is, and I, I'm going to, I'm trying to pull this from memory and I could be wrong. I don't want to look it up now because I'm talking. Uh, and believe me, it, it took me fucking forever to start talking to you guys. So I'm not about to fucking stop and go look up a goddamn number. So let me tell you this. If I remember correctly, he's worth $2.6 billion. He is the 962nd richest person in the world might be in the United States, but it might, but I think it's the world. 900 2.6 billion. Again, I, like I said, I get $2,600 in the bank and whatever the fuck, that's my problem. I chose a different path, <laughs> but you're, you're telling me that that guy has multiple billions of dollars and he's barely cracked the top thousand rich people in the, in the fucking world, in the country, wherever the fuck, uh, that's obscene. That's just obscene. And, and look, I'm not saying to fucking eat the rich. I'm just saying that we need to eat the fucking rich. All right. I, I don't, uh, I've grown up in a world where they've convinced us that we need to do everything we can to protect the rich people because we might be rich someday too. That was always the thing. And I, and I held out for that in my brain, literally, because I would think to myself, and it wasn't even, I wasn't even protecting the rich, but I did have the dream that eventually I would be wealthy because I was like, all right, I'm going to go into the entertainment industry. I could be an actor. I could be famous. I could do these things. Like those things did cross my mind and I did think about them. I can't say there were goals, but I always did want to be able to make money being who I was and doing what I wanted. And that's essentially what a rich person is. So I, look, even if you've got, if you've got $5,000 or $5 billion, if you're doing what you want and you're being paid to do the thing you want to do, you're, it, it, it's, it, it's a contrast. You're rich. And yet obviously you're not rich. I mean, look, if you got five grand, you're not rich. No offense. But, uh, but if you're happy and doing the thing you want to do and you're, you're earning while doing the thing you want to do, then you're, then you're, you're rich. You might as well be rich. Like I, I thought of it yesterday. Like I saw a, a thing yesterday where it said, the, the minimum wage in California is like 1350, I think. And they said anybody who is making that um, would be, you'd have to work 79 hours a week to pay for a, a, a standard one bedroom apartment uh, at that, at that rate or something like that. Again, I'm, I can't remember these numbers. I just read this stuff yesterday, but it was like, uh, literally, if you go ahead and you spend this money if you make this money, they said people, all right, let's put it, they said people in Los Angeles pay, are paying literally 50% of their income just for rent. And that's not counting anything else. 
And and I count myself as very lucky in that you guys have been very supportive and I and I'm fucking that up by putting on shows a day late. But um I've been very lucky in that I'm able to to make a living doing what I want to do by being me. Do I have to supplement that by driving and doing other things? I do, but that's just supplementation. Like there are people who are driving Uber fucking 12 hours a day because they got two kids or whatever the fuck in there. I, I read a story about a, this family. The, the husband and wife were both Uber drivers. He drove 12 hours in the daytime or no, she drove 12 hours in the daytime while the kids were in school. And he drove 12 hours at night while she came home and was there for the kids or whatever the fuck. And they would switch doing that day after day. And they, they just drove around the clock because they had to pay for whatever the fuck they had to pay for. And, and now Uber has slashed the fuck out of everything uh, in, in this state. So I can't imagine that these poor people are making anything near what they were making before. And it's, it's just, it's so strange to me. So getting back to billionaire Mark, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's interesting that his name is Mark because like I said, a billionaire would have to look at the rest of us as Marks. You sh- I'm sure Jeff Bezos looks at us as Marks, uh, but please use my Amazon link. Um, <laughs> Is there is there a conflict there? Maybe it's funny. I just saw a thing where uh, there's a controversy in pro wrestling right now. There's a guy named Jim Cornette, who's another guy that I learned a lot about language from. He was an unbelievable talker. He was a manager. He's fantastic. Well, Jim Cornette is still a media personality. He has a podcast now called the Jim Cornette Experience. And Jim Cornette, I've I've I listened to it this week for the first time. And I was kind of shocked that Jim Cornette is uh, that I have a lot in common with Jim Cornette. It, it, we really sound um, he has a, I mean, look, he's a guy who can just fill up fucking hours with talking, you know? And, and so he and I have that in common. He's talking about wrestling. I'm talking about nothing. Uh, but it, he got in trouble this week because he, 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 he called somebody a transvestite and, uh, and he was ripping apart wrestling. And, and I, so now online, they're trying to cancel him. Jim Cornette is canceled. He's an old white guy. It's all passed him by and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, dude, can he, can he have an opinion? Could he possibly have an opinion? And you could just back off. I mean, he didn't. Because also, uh, I will tell you this about Jim Cornette. Two weeks ago, I guess on his show, he had a rant where he was defending gay rights with, with such vitriol that that made people mad. They were like, oh my God, enough. We just want to hear about wrestling. Quit talking about your politics because he's a hardcore liberal and he hates Trump and he hates Trump supporters. But then the next week he talks about a wrestler looking like a transvestite and everybody loses their mind and they're trying to cancel Jim Cornette. And that's what I'm getting to with social media being fucking poison, man. Billionaire Mark today. Uh, now the NBA says he can't come to any more of the games in the finals. Well, that's not enough. Twitter wants him banned forever. They want him banned from the NBA for all, for all eternity. He should never be able to come to a game. The Warriors should ask him to sell back his shares. They all, I mean, it's, it's not enough. And, 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 And I recognize why it's not enough because people can't control the things in their own lives. They can't control the macro. So they attempt to control the micro. You know, they, they, people see, I see things spinning out of control. I see things on fire that can't be put out. I see, I see a picture of Mark billionaire, Mark shoving Kyle Lowry, the photo, not the clip. The video clip is bad, but the fucking photo of billionaire Mark turning around and he's screaming at Kyle Lowry and the, the, you know, (laughs) the, the dichotomy of seeing a, 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 cause at the time, look, even if you don't know he's billionaire Mark, 
you know that that's Kyle Lowry and he's there. That's Kyle Lowry's job. He's playing basketball. Whether you think it's a job or it isn't, it's his job. And he winds up going into the stands and he gets shoved twice by a guy who then yells obscenities in his face. Well, the photograph of it is, is of a black man kind of recoiling and looking as a white man sits and yells at him. And it, it just, it just looks like a thumbnail, like a microcosm of, because I'll tell you what, it, when you see it, 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 it looks like all of the problems we could discuss in the world. You know, a lot, I think, I think religion and racism, all of these things, they all, uh, everything dovetails into, into intolerance, whatever the fuck. I, I don't, I don't know. My brain is scrambled and I'm sure I'm, I'm losing you and I don't mean to, I really don't. But to see a seated white guy dressed in fancy clothes, or rich clothes or leisure clothes, I guess you would even say yelling at a black man at his job, uh, whether that black man makes millions is just it's it's just not a good look, man. It just even the photograph, it just looks terrible. And I know I'm probably adding more import to it than I should. But then if you look at it and, and you find out that that's a billionaire who's yelling at uh a black dude who's just doing his job, whether it's basketball or whatever the fuck, a guy who feels so entitled that he can shove a player from the opposite team a couple of times and then yell obscenities in his face. That's, you know what, if you you can extrapolate it even more, you can say that Kyle Lowry is us. Uh, and, and that billionaire Mark is social media. And it's just shoving you and provoking you and, and yelling in your face and daring you to do something about it. When all you're trying to do is your job. Now, I haven't thought this out. This is all on the fly. So please know that these aren't maybe cogent points. But I know when I heard the story and I know when I saw the photograph, it made me feel a certain way. And it just poured gasoline on the fires that I have that social media is going to be the downfall of everybody. Besides the climate change and the, and, and the planet and the water wars and everything else that's coming. But just for discourse, just for just for world relations. I mean, just just the fact that you everybody thinks they've got to buy that vest because everybody else has that vest or the fact that I mean, the world has become a giant high school and, and you know it and I know it. We all fucking know it. And everybody's trying to keep and, and look in high school. There were nerds. There were guys who sat by themselves at lunch. And then at, in high school, there were the rich and popular kids. And I mean, and there were people who, who wanted to be them. And there were people who seethed and were angry at them. And it's just, it's, that's what the fucking, it's so, I said last week that nostalgia was running the country and running the world and, and nostalgia and pussy. And, and also, uh, you know, it's, I guess that can be applied as well. When I say that the world is a high school, it's just, it's just, and the world is haves and haves nots. And the world is billionaires and, and guys just trying to do their job. And it's, it's. I, I, and I, it should not, and I look, I do really good at letting it not bother me. I'm doing, I'm doing much, much better at not getting and, and plunging into it and diving in and letting it fucking go. Cause look, this is a fucking comedy show. It's supposed to be now the last two weeks were nonsense and we had fun and I loved doing those shows. And, uh, I just opened the mic and I started talking and that's what I've done today too. Uh, except yesterday I should have done it, but I kept putting it off because I was just, I, whatever the fuck you don't care. Nobody cares. Um, but but just but just the the culture shock of seeing a a a a white dude sit down and yell at a black guy just trying to do his job whether it's basketball or whatever it just it just struck me as such a fucking powerful image it's just brutal it's brutal and uh 
And like I said, you know, the dude got thrown, he, he didn't get thrown out of the game. He got taken out of his courtside seat. And like I said, I'm sure he went to a luxury box and watched the rest of the fucking game. And he still owns the team. But again, like I said, nobody, it's not enough for everybody. They want him, now they want him thrown in fucking what? Twitter jail. They want him thrown in, in courtside seat jail. They want him never to be able to come to a game ever again. They want him to have to sell his, his share in the team. And, uh, and look, I'm not on that guy's side. Fuck that guy, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, I told you, I don't like fans at, at all who throw shit or yell or any of that stuff. Anyway, I go to a game now and people are, you know, and I used to be bad. I used to heckle all the fucking time when I was a kid. But if I was a fucking 60-year-old billionaire in a goddamn courtside seat, what do you got to be mad or angry about? Jesus Christ. If anything, you know, Kyle Lowry plunges into the goddamn stands. You should just throw a handful of $100 bills in the air. Just make it rain on Kyle Lowry because that's all you're doing. You're literally going, go, go, perform for my amusement. Go, go. <laughs> that's just Christians and lions shit at that fucking point. I just wish Lowry had been a lion. And when he went into the fucking stands, he bit the billionaire in fucking half. 962nd most uh, richest man in the world, $2.6 billion. I, I just, I don't, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Now, I will tell you this. Also yesterday at the the Warriors basketball game, there was a clip that ran on, uh, it, was, it was, I it, I guess it was on ABC. But Beyonce and Jay-Z were at the game. Now, if you're not familiar, Jay-Z is a famous rapper. Beyonce, of course, is Beyonce. Uh, she is, she is just everything perfect about anything you could ever imagine. And the two of them are sitting at courtside and they just happen to cut over. And there's a, a, there's Jay-Z is sitting there and Beyonce's on his left. And there's a woman on Beyonce's left. And this woman is talking to Jay-Z. So Beyonce's there. She's got a, and she's not in the conversation. And this woman is basically talking across Beyonce to talk to Jay-Z and Jay-Z's talking to the woman and the woman's talking to Jay-Z and all of a sudden Beyonce in this clip, her face, the smile leaves her face and she makes a face of like, like, like just this fatigued, like a face that I imagine celebrities make a lot. Because uh, celebrities are constantly being spoken to or bothered or, or somebody wants something from them at all times. So when I saw the clip in my brain, I thought, well, maybe this woman is just trying to get an autograph or something because I don't know who the fuck it is. And she's, she's like, maybe she's trying to talk to Beyonce or, and then she was talking to Jay-Z and then Jay-Z, like, like she might have been talking to Beyonce and Beyonce was kind of like politely put her off. But then Jay-Z, you ever have that where you're, you're with a friend? And you're like, you're trying to get rid of somebody, but then your friend won't stop talking to that somebody. And you're just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, enough, man. You know, we, this is done. This interaction is finished. And we, and it doesn't even need to be famous people or rich people or anything. If you're, if you've ever had an interaction at a party and it's you and a couple of people, and then you're like, all right, well, I've got nothing else to say to this person. But then the person you're with continues to talk to that person and your brain, you're like, oh, no, I'm out of the conversation. What the fuck? I got nothing to contribute to any of this. And then you just want to slink the fuck out because parties are weird anyway. Well, that's the face Beyonce makes. Like this woman might've been talking to Beyonce and the Beyonce's like, all right, well, they, and then Jay-Z gets involved and they start talking now. And again, like I said, they're talking across Beyonce and Beyonce kind of leans back and is like, <sighs> just this ennui on her face. Like, I don't even like, I don't know what's happening here. Okay. Well, social media goes bananas and they freak the fuck out. And I don't know if you know this, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, and I br- brace yourself. If you don't know this, you're going to be so sad that I told you. Uh, there's a group called the Bayhive, uh, or, or, you know, Beyonce. So I guess the Beehive, I guess, but it's spelled B-E-Y hive. So I, I'll say the Beehive because it's Beyonce, but I thought it was the Bayhive because of the way it was spelled. But anyway, 
Uh, they are online stands, as the kids say today, of Beyonce, and they will not sit for any nonsense or guff toward their queen. Slay queen. Oh, <laughs> dude, I got to get off Twitter. Um, and they lose their minds. Okay. And they start, they, they, they run the clip and they're like, oh no, who's this bitch? Oh no, she's canceled. Oh no, who, who dares uh, talk to Jay-Z? Uh, you know, and, and then they start calling her Becky with the good hair from the song. Cause you know, uh, Jay-Z did cheat on Beyonce and he, and so then they're like, well, is this girl trying to shoot her shot with Jay-Z? And oh no, you can't do that to our ba- our Beyonce. And I, and it, it becomes a complete fucking outrage tornado and the beehive. They, they tweet the emoji for the bees. They'll tweet like a hundred of them at, at people, all that shit to say they're beehive people or whatever the fuck. It's so weird. How do I know this? I'm 50 fucking one years old. Um, because it used to be my job to know everything. I wanted to know everything. I, I, I enjoyed it because I was one of the few people in the world who knew everything. I read five newspapers a day. I fucking stayed on top of everything. Now everybody knows everything. I'm behind everybody. The world has passed me by. The, she, like the far side said, she keeps on passing me by. Fuck. Uh, and and I, 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 so then this in this clip, dudes, they're, they're talking to each other and they're canceling this woman and all this stuff. And I, and I see the stuff go online. I see them fucking. And then someone late night posts, this woman posted a photo on her Instagram of herself helping Beyonce with her coat, like touching Beyonce's collar. And she's like, we all, we all look out for one another. We should all help one another or something, whatever the fuck. And, uh, and then people, they went, they lost their minds. Like, Oh my God, she put her hands on Beyonce. You know, Beyonce hated her just from that one conversation. And now she's putting her hands on her. What the fuck? And they, they all, they all go crazy and they attack this woman. So that all happened last night. Okay. And I actually, and look, I went to this woman's Instagram because I wanted to see that photo and she's only got like 4,000 followers or something like that. Her name is Warrior Nicole. So obviously she's a big Warrior fan, but also she's in a courtside seat and also she's wearing the most ridiculous outfit you've ever seen in your life. She's wearing like Gene Simmons dragon boots and a really short skirt and she's got this pin straight, whatever the fuck. I, 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 and I'm not going to cast aspersions. I look like a dope half the time anyway. Um, but she, you know what she's wearing? She's wearing exactly what you would think a gaudy rich person would wear at courtside seats. Either that or fucking the golf uniform of billionaire Mark. Uh, so sure enough, man. Uh, I looked at this warrior and I start looking at her other stuff on Instagram and I look at all of her photos and she's obviously rich. She's got a photo next to a guy with three warriors championship rings. So I don't know if he's an investor or who the fuck it is. Uh, this is all last night, by the way. I don't know. I know nothing about this chick. And I'm just like, all right, well, because I, th- this is the thing. Fans can get famous. All right. There is especially, you know, hot women fans. If they want to, there's a woman in Milwaukee named front row, Amy. She literally sits behind the plate. She's got huge tits and she wears low cut shirts. So every time you watch a Brewers game, there's front row, Amy in, right in the front row behind the plate. And she's on TV, you know, 150 times a year, whatever the fuck, how many Brewers games they televise. And you can see her. She's got the fucking plunging neckline when they made the fucking playoffs last year. You could see her. She's wearing, and she, so she made a, a fucking complete social media job out of it. She's, she's on Instagram at front row, Amy. She's on Twitter at front row, Amy. And it's just her in bikinis and her fucking big tits and good for her. You know what? If you got something, work it. I got one dimple. I got two dimples, but I got one that I work incessantly because when you got one thing, you use it. I got a mouth. 
As I've said, from the fucking chest up, you'll never forget me. From the chest down, no great shakes. So you know what? I do everything I can to keep every selfie from the shoulders up. And, and, and you know, people don't seem to fucking understand that shit, man. Look, the rest of me is a fucking nightmare. Nobody wants to see me. I, you know who I am? From the, from the chest up, I'm fucking, uh, I'm, I'm hedonism. From the chest down, I'm Chernobyl. Get the fuck out of here, man. Nobody wants to see a fucking full-size selfie of me. Nobody wants a full body shot of me. I've, I've done unbelievable damage to me physically that nobody needs to see photographed. I'll tell you about it. I can describe it in fucking detail. Nobody. So if I say take a photo, again, literally from the chest up, I'm, I'm, I got great shoulders. I got a, you know, I got a, a fucking great jaw. I can talk your ass off. And you'll come twice before you even see my dick because I'll go down on you. And that's that. But from the fucking chest down, fuck that, man. Nobody wants to fucking see that mouth game on point stroke game. eh, We'll get it. We'll do what we can. We'll try to keep up. We'll do the best we got. So front row Amy's got tits and she knows how to use them as ZZ Top would tell her. And she did. So good for her. So this fucking warrior, Nicole, I don't know who the fuck she is, but she's at fucking ringside or courtside, whatever the fuck. And you look, you're somebody if you've got a seat next to Beyonce. Sorry. Somebody got those seats for Beyonce and then someone has to be the same rich person as you are. I'm sure warrior Nicole is rich or knows a rich guy. So in my head, I'm like, all right, well, I don't know who this person is, but the Bayhive killed her on Instagram. They were fucking destroying her. They're like making fun of her. This is last night. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, whatever. So then I wake up today and I go online. Of course, I go on social media. And dudes, fucking <laughs> unbelievably, I find out that Warrior Nicole is the, uh, she's the wife of the owner of the Warriors, Joe Lacob, uh, or is it Low Jacob? No, it's Joe Lacob. <laughs> and he, he owns the Warriors and that's his wife. And it's funny when you, then I think about all of her dragon boots and her bullshit, goofy ass shoes and her, all of her feet selfies. And I'm just like, of course she is. She's, she's a lady who lunches and, and she takes photos of her feet literally. Cause if you go to her Instagram, it's all photos of her feet. Uh, or I'm sorry, if you would have gone to her Instagram last night, because in reading about billionaire Mark and Kyle Lowry today and, uh, and about the destruction of our earth, I also saw that, uh, warrior, Nicole wife of Joe Lacob. A uh, woman who is fucking the guy who owns the Warriors. Yet again, another Warrior owner. Uh, she overnight and then this morning has been so devastated and overrun by the beehive that she's deleted her social media presence. And they they want there's a Bay Area reporter who found her and just and she just went, I can't believe that this happened. She explains that in the conversation when when the clip where Beyonce her face fades or whatever she goes. It's loud in the, the arena and I, I've hosted them. I asked them to come to the game I, or she, I don't know if she said she asked them to come to the game. She goes, I'm being a good host because she feels the arena is hers because why not? She's fucking the guy who owns the team. So she said, I leaned over to see if they wanted anything to drink. And Beyonce said she wanted water. And I asked Jay what Jay-Z what he wanted. And he, he said it and I didn't hear him. So I leaned in a little closer and I said, what do you want? And he says, you can read his lips. He says, I want a vodka with lime. And so we start talking about that. And he goes, I didn't, she's like, I didn't even see Beyonce's face. I didn't see, I'm leaning in to hear his drink order. I don't, I don't, nobody's shooting a shot. Nobody's doing anything. I'm literally just talking to him and I already talked to her, but they didn't get that on video. I asked her what she wanted to drink. What the fuck? And she's, so she gets destroyed overnight. She's like, I, I, she goes, I can't believe that anyone goes through this kind of abuse. I can't believe our players go through this kind of abuse. I can't believe that anyone is subjected to this by people who have no idea what's going on. They see five seconds and they form an opinion 
and they and I'm leaving. Like I, I've she's left social media because she's like I can't understand how your life can be ruined in five seconds, and that's that's the fucking problem, man. That's the problem. Don't ever let your worst five seconds ever be on television or don't let a benign five seconds be on television. That's the thing. It's like people will say, don't let your worst five seconds be caught. And that's billionaire Mark shoving Kyle Lowry. But what if you're just asking Jay-Z what he wants to drink and it looks like Beyonce makes a sad face. That's enough for you fucking people to go after this person overnight and fucking destroy her and make her cancel her fucking social media. Now, look, I'm also going to get to this. She's fine. You know what? If anything, why the fuck are you on social media anyway when you're a billionaire? I don't, I don't, I, like, I don't know if billionaire Mark has social media, but he shouldn't. He's at $2.6 billion. If you got $2.6 billion, you don't need Twitter. You don't need Facebook. You don't need fucking Instagram. What are you going to put on Instagram? Photos of your cool shoes like Warrior Nicole? You're fucking the Warriors owner for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. You, there's no reason for you to prove anything with your fancy shoes. Everybody knows you got fancy shoes. You're fucking the Warriors owner. Literally, if you want to do something, post pictures of your fancy shoes on his shoulders. That's it, because then everybody, and they see his face, and they go, oh, okay, well, that's who you are. You're fucking that guy. And I'm not I'm not belittling her as a person. I'm just saying there's no reason for you to have any sort of social media if you're a billionaire. I mean, I guess you can, but then you're going to get fucking savaged, because billionaires should be a fucking attacked at all times. That's what people think, and I think so somewhat, but I don't know. I don't know what to fucking say. I'm talking in fucking circles. God damn it. I have no opinions that matter, right? Oh, dudes. So she cancels all of her social media. Now, here's my, here's my, but, uh, but hear me out on this. If I'm mad at billionaire Mark, okay. And everybody's mad at billionaire Mark because he shoved Kyle Lowry. And then everybody's mad at warrior Nicole because she's talking to Beyonce and Jay-Z and everybody's like, you can't do that to Beyonce, Beyonce. And they all stand Beyonce. They all love Beyonce. And that's fucking great. I love Beyonce. I love Jay-Z. The black, the black album is fucking ridiculous. He's, he's, he's probably the greatest rapper in the modern era. No doubt. Not even probably no doubt. Depends on what kind of style you like. Cause Snoop, you know, Snoop's up there because he's just, his style was incredibly unique. Jay-Z was, was unique and, and Snoop unique. These are guys that you just, that, that they're the fucking rolling stones and the who of rap. I mean, they're fucking incredible. You hear them and you don't ever hear anybody else in them. And don't give me your Holland Wolf bullshit. I don't want to fucking hear that. Don't, don't give me your Dave Clark five nonsense. Fuck that, man. But Jay-Z is probably worth $500 million. And if not Jay-Z alone, Jay-Z and Beyonce are certainly worth combined $500 million. So... Why are you standing those billionaires or millionaires or multimillionaires and, and canceling the other billionaires? Why, why, I mean, why shouldn't they come under, you know, cause again, everybody's like, Oh, this tacky chick and her clothes and her fucking shoes. And she's sitting ringside or your courtside at a fucking game. Of course she is because why not? It's like, well, they're, they're courtside. They're rich. Why, why, why do we pick and choose? I mean, if you're going to that, and that's the problem, you can't be like, well, eat the rich. Oh, but not those rich. Just like you can't be saying that all homeless people are lazy and fucking monsters and need to be cleared off the fucking street. Cause you know what? People are befallen by circumstance. Terrible things fucking happen to people. They're mentally ill. They lose a job. It can spiral out of fucking control. Like I said, here in LA, you're paying almost 50% for your fucking rent at a minimum wage job. And if you lose that fucking job, who the fuck knows what people are going to do to survive? 
That's why you got eight people living in an apartment, eight people living in a goddamn fucking one bedroom, two bedroom apartment because they're just trying to stay afloat. And then people come out here because they're chasing dreams and whatever the fuck else. And then they wind up fucking falling into it and just everything goes to hell. And I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. I really don't. I don't. I recognize that. I recognize that this was a waste of your time this week. And I don't mean for it to be that. And I'm glad you hung in there. And I'm not looking for attaboys. And I'm looking for you. Oh, Mike, it's never a waste of time. Look, I... I hold myself to a fucking standard, man, and I should get the show out on Thursday fucking morning, and I shouldn't be goddamn late, and uh, and and I, I don't, there was no point to this, there was no point, I understand, it was just more of a venting, uh, my spleen at everybody, and that's and that worked, and it's done, and there you go, and now you consumed that, and uh, and social media is death, so this woman, this woman who's fucking the warrior's owner, I shouldn't even say that, she's his wife, for fuck's sake, she's off social media, she's like, fuck it, I can't, I can't get attacked by people. Uh, billionaire Mark is, is like I said, being dragged and savaged and everybody thinks he should give up all of his money and he should lose all of his cash. And, and I, I don't know what to do. And then there's nothing I can do. I try, like I said, I try to live my life and be fine. I try to just be okay. And everything's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Yes. Let's be okay together. And let's try to get a show out on time next week. Can we do that? Motherfuckers. I blame you. I don't blame you at all. I blame social media and I blame me for diving into it and staying not the same. I just want to read books and travel and go see people and go see you lovely people. I'm going to fucking Cincinnati. I want to go to fucking all over the place. I'm going to go everywhere and explore and see people and play games and have fun and do shows. I just want to talk and be funny. Wouldn't it be great if we just fucking talk and be funny one week? Although it was funny last week and I was funny the week before that. So, you know, fuck you if you're holding me to a weird ass standard this week. God damn it. This week, everything went to hell. <laughs> That's going to happen sometimes, apparently, as I get older and spiral off the fucking planet. Like goddamn Mr. Joshua off to fucking Pluto. Fucking social media destroying everything. Destroying all of us. Destroying the world. And we're all complicit. All of us. Me. You. I point at you. That's right. You. And and more more likely me. Hey, remember what I said about social media being the death of us all? You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt Comedy dot com. <laughs> You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm on Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB. What a what a hypocritical dick bag. Holy fuck. What a cock smoker. Nice one. Um I'm on Twitch. I'm on YouTube. I'm a thief, I'm a liar, I'm a bitch, I'm a whatever the fuck, Jesus Christ. I'm a blue movie, I'm a bitch, I'm a slut, am I bi, am I a little girl, and we make love together. Uh, you can get Terry Nunn at. Um, hey, so anyway, I'm at facebook.com slash the 40-year-old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm at Instagram and Snapchat at Mike40YOB. I'm there, find me there. Our friend Ryan Dirks, you can find him. He's the web dude for this show. I got to contact him, actually. I got stuff for him to do. Um, if he's interested, he might not be interested. Who knows? You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Go ahead and find him there, please. He's the best and one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. Um, I've never met Ryan in my life, but <laughs> I'm comfortable in telling you that you'll love him. Uh, all of my dealings with him over the phone or everywhere else are uh, are good dealings, wonderful dealings, fantastic dealings. He's a good guy. He's got a farm. He's got a llama. The guy's got a llama. The guy's doing my web stuff, and he's got a fucking llama. I mean, how crazy is that, dude? How do you have a fucking llama and get that shit done? I don't know. I should do the show with a llama. See, that's the thing. That's the problem. I need a fucking llama. I will say this. My trainer, John, was like, dude, because I mean, I, I'll, you know, sometimes these, this stuff will bleed over into our conversations. And he's like, uh, you need a dog, man. I'm like, yeah, no, I hear you. And he's like, no, no, you, you need a dog. Like, you really need a dog, like, to be, uh, 
uh, like to calm down because you would, a dog would make you happy. You would care for something you would be able to. And I'm like, dude, I can't, I told you, I can't have a dog at my fucking house. And he's just like, I, well, maybe you move. Maybe for your own mental health, you move out and you get a place where you can get a fucking dog because like I said, it would give you a chance to care for something and it would give you a chance to have something that you loved. And I'm just like, yeah, I, you're not wrong. Probably I, I would assume, I think maybe, um, but it does, it does, uh, you know, it resonates with me. You know what I mean? That thing where, cause look, I love everybody and I, I want to be with everyone and be everyone's pal and be your friend and do everything I possibly can to stay in touch with all of you. And stay together. That seems weird, right? Wasn't that seem weird? Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the point is, folks. I uh, and stop saying the point is, dude. And it's because uh, now look at what I'm doing now. I'm just fucking ruining this and talking in circles. All right, stop, stop, move forward. Our buddy David Hernandez uh, does all the artwork and the and the music for this show. You can be his friend at Facebook.com/slash David Mix Hernandez. He's got an art by DMH album on there on his Facebook page with a bunch of caricatures and guycons and valscapes. A lot of his previous work. If you want to hire him to do some work for you, that's the place to go. Go to Facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and check out his folders, especially the Art by DMH album. And you'll be able to see all of his previous work and get an idea of the stuff that he does. Um, also, if you want to go to the Westside 86 Jokers page, which is our fan club page, the Mike Schmidt fan club page, which there's going to be a mass exodus from this week, I'm sure. But that's OK. You can go check it out and check out all the artwork he's done there. He did the uh, the banner page, the banner artwork for it. Any, you know. He hasn't done it, uh, you know, he doesn't, whatever the fuck. There's a, there's a whole bunch of artwork there he's done. Go ahead and check it out. Um, you can contact him through Facebook. That's that's your best bet. Like I said, become his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and, uh, and get him through there. Or you can contact him via email, david at artbydmh.com, david at artbydmh.com. Um, also, there's a group on Facebook that he has called the This Is Dumb, That's Dumb, You're Dumb page. Uh, you should check that out. It is, um, you, all right, you should join it first of all. And he does tons of artwork in there. You'll be able to see that he's doing a whole bunch of different characters, a bunch of different content. Uh, if you want to join that page, you will have three questions to answer. And I will tell you this, if he gives you the questions, answer them. Because, uh, if you try to be smarmy and answer them in a silly way, or you don't answer them at all, then you're, you won't get in the group. And that's okay. If you don't want to be in the group, if you just want to be a smart ass. That's totally fine. But you know, it's, um, there's sometimes there's like, if you go to a speakeasy and you got a password at the door and they ask you for the password and you go, ah, whatever the fuck passwords are dumb. Uh, they won't let you in the speakeasy and you won't get in there. So consider this to be an online speakeasy with our good friend, David, and all of his friends in that group. So if he asks you three questions, uh, answer them just like the, the, the guy at Monty Python at the bridge, the fucking bridge dude. Uh, there could be a swallow. There could be air velocity, whatever the fuck, all that shit could be involved. Uh, but the point is participate. If you want to participate in the group, then you got to participate in the question thing. And, and it goes from there. So go ahead and check that out, please. It's available to you now. Go to facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez and be his friend. You can contact him via email, David at art by Or again, like I said, you oh, and you can check, and check out the website as well. Um, cause there's the, this is the, this is dumb group. All the stuff is done mainly on Facebook. The, this is dumb group. And then facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez, but also go check out his website because he's got his advertising and stuff, uh, work there and developmental stuff. It depends on what you're looking for art wise. If you're looking for more caricature work, uh, character work or caricature work, that's the Facebook stuff. If you want more business type oriented stuff, you want to go to the website that's art by DMH.com. So Facebook slash David Mex Hernandez or no facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez or go to art by dmh.com artwork at both artbydmh.com
you know, this might not have been much of a show, but like I said, it doesn't count. This is just a bonus. This is a practice show. You know, this is never, this will never air. <laughs> this is never going to air. So don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, this is a, uh, uh, this is just a practice show. You know what we did? We opened a microphone and we talked and we saw, I wanted to see if it, this is just an equipment check. That's all this was. This is an air check. It's an air check. Uh, we're just making sure, making sure that the, uh, all the systems are working. So this will never get released. So don't worry about it. Uh, but I'll tell you what. There is content out there for you to enjoy, even with this show uh, swimming in its own brain. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about quality, amazing entertainment. You want to talk about someone who does podcasting and does it right. You know, we got sponsors for this show, and I'm not saying this just because this person is a sponsor. It's our buddy Fearful Jesuit over at the Paranoid Strain, and his newest episode is out, and holy fuck, is it an opus. It is, uh, I listened last night. Uh, yeah, well, last night, last afternoon night, I had to break it up because it is, I will tell you this, it is a three hour and 18 minute episode. So again, as I've said, I've left you, I've disappointed you. I've left you in the lurch this week. I've left you going, well, I don't know what all this is. This is just a guy talking and ranting and yelling. But if you want to hear precision, if you want to hear like the smart bomb of fucking podcasting, if you want to hear somebody who gets it fucking done, who really nails it, fearful Jesuit is your guy this week with his fucking smash out of the park fucking JFK assassination episode where he debunks conspiracies. He takes people on. He fucking, he interviews uh, dudes. I can't even uh, giving verbiage. To this is going to sound bad and I don't mean it to, um, uh, you know what? I'll spin it in a positive way rather than in the negative way. It makes me want to do better work to hear Jesuit do his show. Uh, I'm proud of what I do, and I, I don't think anybody in the world can do it the way I do it. But sometimes, as in the case of this week, when we're a day late, uh, left to my own devices and doing it the way I do it can lend itself to some sort of uh, shortcomings or unpredictability. I'm unpredictable. Jesuit is money in the fucking bank. That dude puts on a show that is unbelievably rehearsed. I'm sorry. I should say researched. I eh, fucking probably rehearsed. You better to rehearse his show. This isn't my show's not rehearsed. You know this. This is just uh, we we grab a fucking corkscrew and we punch a hole in my skull. Whatever the fuck pours out pours out. We decant my skull on every goddamn show. But fearful Jesuit man, this dude, he is just he is just creating laser like sharp fucking content. I mean, if you if you could have a three hour and eighteen minute razor blade dissection of something, he did it. And, uh, and hearing it is, is by turns inspiring and shaming because it makes me wish that I did better work because I also, you know, I used to be a writer. I used to be a contender. I used to be one of those. I could have been somebody. And then you see somebody at the top of their game going ahead and working it. And you're just like inspired at, and by turns also angry at yourself for not being able to apply yourself in that way, in that fashion. I don't know what's wrong with my brain that lets me not do that these days. Uh, I have to really grab the reins to get myself to focus. Cause I'll, look, I'll be honest with you. I had to grab the reins to focus, to listen to our friend Jesuit's show. Not because I wasn't excited to hear the paranoid strain, the new one. I was very excited. Uh, I will tell you, he sent me two weeks ago. He sent me the episode and it was in a rough form. And then he sent me a newer episode. Then he wrote me and he's like, Hey man, go ahead and listen. Uh, all right. It's time for me to tell you this. I got to tell you this. Um, I listened to some of the rough episode and I, you know, I had to listen in chunks. Like I said, it's a very long episode. So I couldn't just sit down and digest the whole fucking thing. But then he sends me a second version. And I'm like, all right, I, he cleaned up some stuff and then he's like, Hey man, I cleaned up more stuff and it's in the, so I literally, I restart from the beginning each time 
I can't pick up where I left off because what if he fixed something in the beginning that I heard before and it changes the whole concept of the episode? So he keeps, he thinks he's doing me a favor by getting me early episodes to go ahead and get the jump on it. But in reality, all he's doing is going, hey man, he's giving me more work. I got to listen to three different versions of the same episode, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, but he sends it to me and that's fine. And I, and, and I need to do that because again, like I said, three hours and 18 minutes for me, that's a hard ask. Uh, I mean, I can go sit in a theater and watch a movie for three hours and 18 minutes, but, but getting, getting this where I, I, you know, to sit and I don't, I don't even listen to my own fucking podcast. And this week, especially is one of the weeks I won't listen to my podcast, but I will listen to Jesuits, not because I have to, because I want to, I'm excited to get it when I get it. And, uh, and dudes, you know, this one opens up again. He's got his friend. I, I think it's the same voice actor from the assassination episode. Who's doing a new Orleans accent, which is a hard accent to do. And Jesuit knows that because he's from somewhere in the South. I don't want to say where, because again, fierce Jesuit is all things to all people. And I don't want to pin the guy down. Uh, but he's got, the, he's got the, these guys talking in this really kind of florid new Orleans patois. And then even he steps in and he goes, Hey, I, you're just one dimensional characters that I kind of overwrote with this, uh, this stereotypical new Orleans dialogue <laughs> as he shows up to take a, it's a courtroom and he takes the stand. Um, and I should say, if you're if you're wondering about Jesuit, I will describe him to, as such to you, because he describes himself as such in the episode. He's a uh, he's a lone assassin, three bullet guy. Like I didn't even know that was the, a description that you could have for yourself. I knew that certain people had certain beliefs, but if you if you walk around with your in your bona fides and you're saying, hey, uh, well, you know me, I'm a lone assassin, three bullet guy. I mean, that's that's fun. That's a good thing to be. That's that's not that's like being an ass man. Hey, I'm an ass man. Hey, I'm a tits man. Hey, I'm a cock man. Whatever the fuck. No, no, I'm a lone assassin, three bullet guy. And yeah, you must snap your fingers when you say it. I'm a lone assassin, three bullet guy. Um. There's music all throughout the episode, and I, I don't know if they're, I think they're all different songs. There's like a false flag sting. There's a fucking back into the left song. There's a fucking JFK surf song, and it's all in the surf style because, it's, again, it's the it's the Paranoid Strain Orchestra. Um, he says he's going to, it's funny, when he breaks up the episode, he goes, we deal with BK and AK. Like So it's basically before Kennedy and after Kennedy, talking about the world. That's how, how, how baby boomers see themselves, or people that were born at the time of the assassination. They see the world as BK and AK. Um and then and this is all in the fucking opening breakdown, dude, where then he's like, uh, we're going to tell you the story of when Lee met Jack and then another Jack met Lee. And I'm like, God damn, just that, that turn of phrase is so gorgeous. Um, he describes a book as a doorstop of truth. Cause I think it's got like 1600 pages. And I just, I, I don't know if everybody calls it that, but for him to call, like, like I said, turns of phrases, they, that's as a writer, as a, as a broadcaster, I like that. So when Lee met Jack and then another Jack met Lee, it's such a neat little turn, uh, a doorstop of truth. Also, I'll tell you this. I, I, he breaks down Lee Harvey Oswald's family life, you know, growing up, you know, his mom and then again, his wife and his own kids and things like that. Um, I guess Oswald, dude, I don't know anything about the assassination. Okay. I, I feel incredibly educated now after hearing the episode, but, uh, and I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to be this guy telling you, oh, well, you should do this or all this. And I mean, just go listen to the fucking thing. It's brilliant. And every week I'll bring you, I'll tell you a little bit more as I describe it. But um, he mentions that that younger Lee Harvey Oswald wanted to kill Dwight Eisenhower. And uh, and part of me is like, I, you know, he should have done it. He should have taken a shot at that. Why not? I mean, he fucking, because I guess Oswald, get this, he not only did he shoot Kennedy, he also, he tried to assassinate a general he wanted to kill Eisenhower. He wanted to assassinate Nixon. Like, I mean, is this dude, he's, I don't know if he's crazy or if he's just fucking, uh, 
Robert De Niro and the King of Comedy. Like, like basically, Lee Harvey Oswald is the Rupert Pupkin of his time, where he's just doing anything at all to get noticed. He's trying to figure out what the fuck to do, but always with a gun in his fucking head. It's craziness. And uh, and Oswald, he joined the fucking army. Get this, he joins the fucking Marines or the army, whatever the fuck. And his the troops hated him. Like his friends hated him, dude. I guess because he was always spouting communist bullshit. And uh, and so they called him Oswaldskovich. That was what the guys fucking called him in the in the Marines or the fucking army. I'm I just dudes. I mean, little minutiae like that. That's what I mean. Because there's everybody knows about the fucking shooting and Jack Ruby and all this different stuff. But just, I mean, just the density of what you will learn, the amount of information in this podcast. Again, three hours and 18 minutes. It's, it's, look, it's not an easy listen as far as just sitting down and getting a mint julep and going, well, let's enjoy some. No, no, man. It's, it is some hardcore fucking breaking down, destroying fucking myths. Uh, interview with the guy who runs the fucking the 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 sixth floor book depository museum. Well written, fucking. And here's a phrase. I'm gonna leave you with this phrase. Just I don't want to go. I don't want to go too much into it. But I'm gonna leave you with this phrase. And you're and you're gonna because I want you to when you discover it in the episode because it made me. It was a very revelatory moment for me. Uh, Jack Ruby died an innocent man. Think about that. I'm just. I'm not gonna describe it. I don't want to tell you too much about it. But Jack Ruby died an innocent man. And think about, you know, because again, you think about what he did and how he was involved in all this stuff, whatever the fuck. I'm, I don't want to give too much away because I want you to have the joy I had in uncovering and experiencing all of this information in the episode. And someone like Max, who is a huge student of the JFK assassination, and he's, you know, Max is also a lone assassin three bullet guy as I snap my fingers. Um, someone who believes that all conspiracy theories are fucking garbage. And, and so he, I know he listened and I, I, he must have loved this. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I will say this, I don't know if he learned anything new because Max knows fucking everything. But if you're somebody who doesn't, who only knows the basics, this is going to leave you, uh, probably shocked and you'll learn a lot and you'll be entertained because, uh, he, he, you know, like just the turn of phrase, the language, the writing, it's all done extremely well. And I will say, you know, I won't lie to you. Um, and again, this is my problem, not anybody else's, but when I heard it, it, it did, it, it, it shamed me into thinking you need to work harder. You need to do better things. Now, look, I'm, uh, how do I put this? Like, um, uh, it's going to either way, it's going to sound self-serving, so I'm not going to do it. But the point is we do different shows and I need to recognize that I recognize my strengths. I'm, uh, like, like, all right, I'm going to fucking say this, even though it's, it's probably going to get, like I said, it's going to be me jerking off, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesuit is, is the Jesuit is Kobe. He has natural skills, but also he shows up in the gym and he shoots a thousand fucking jumpers a night to get better when the lights are out. He's just doing everything he can. He's just fucking firing away. He's just getting it done. He's just thunk, thunk, thunk. He's just, he's just unbelievably talented. Uh, but also at the same time, he's the, he's the hardest worker in the room. And that's, that's one of the, that's really difficult to be. The rock is like that. The rock is like, he's like hardest worker in the room. And he is, he's just one of those relentless dudes. And I'm more of a guy who had, uh, unbelievable gifts. And then I didn't hone them, but it doesn't matter. I'm still holding on to them. I still have them even in my late age, but at the same time, if I would work harder, perhaps I could be better than I am. Like if I, if I worked like Jesuit worked, then I would, f- I would feel that I was better or I could be better at what I do. Um, but I seem to be going in the, in the reverse. I seem to be going in the other direction. And that's, that's all for me to examine and fix and talk to Shannon about, of course. Uh, but uh, if you want to hear what this medium can be, uh, you know, I would, I would put this on a par with like your Dan Carlin's hardcore history, which I was exposed to because Jesuit told me about it. And then I, I listened and I was like, holy fuck. And you're, you're almost like, 
I don't know how you do this. Like, I, I don't even know. It's like, you know, how do you, how do you solve a problem like Mary? You know what I mean? It's like, well, how do you fucking go ahead and make this kind of show? And it's because you work really hard and Jesuit works really fucking hard. And I think you should honor me. Uh, I'm honored that he, tr- he trusts me to tell you guys about it. And the very fact that he thinks there's crossover audience potential between my audience and his audience is, is fantastic because it, it speaks highly of you guys that he thinks enough of you to sponsor this show and get you guys on board with his show because he realizes that you are smart. You are uh, capable of enjoying more than nonsense, I guess is how I put it. So, uh, so please go download the paranoid strain podcast, subscribe in the iTunes store, leave them. A, uh, a leave them, leave him, leave our buddy, uh, our, our good friend, paranoid strain, fearful Jesuit, uh, leave him a feedback in the, in the iTunes store, please telling him that we sent you. So he realizes that he is making the right decision in sponsoring this show. You can get him as well. Write him an email, the paranoid strain at gmail.com, the paranoid strain at gmail.com. And, uh, and tell him again that he's a hitter and the fucking show is amazing. And you listen to this fucking JFK episode and you learned and you thought and you, you didn't think you'd learn because, you know, you think to yourself, I know everything there's to know. Even he talks about in the show, the, the unbelievable avalanche of material available. And, and he's taken, let's put it this way. He's taken a topic that everybody thinks they know everything about and he will educate you and entertain you while talking about it. And that's a hard thing to do. And he does it. He pulls it off. So the Paranoid Strain podcast available in the iTunes store. Go ahead and download it. Go ahead and listen to it. Go ahead and subscribe to it. Listen to all the past episodes. And again, I am, uh, he, he is uh, kind to sponsor this show, but I am honored to be affiliated with, uh, with work such as that. So please go ahead and listen to our good friend, Fearful Jesuit, as he brings you the Paranoid Strain podcast available now in the iTunes store. Write him a note uh, and tell him that we sent you. Please, that would be great. Who wants to be an Uber driver after I've described it so eloquently in past shows and told you about how much they're cutting everything uh, in half? I think you should be the person who goes ahead and drives, right? Uh, you want to be a Lyft driver? Go to Lyft. Use my code Mike720057. That's M-I-K-E-720057. That's all caps. M-I-K-E-720057. Mike720057. That's if you want to drive for Lyft. That's, 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 that's. If you want to be a passenger, a first time passenger, and you ride for the first time, go ahead and use my code M I K E seven two double O five seven. You can be an Uber driver as well. Now this is all lowercase D J Z W one Y T T U E D J Z W one Y T T U E. Now I will tell you this: Am I in trouble with the Beehive for saying D J Z? If I, by by even by because they want they're like take Jay Z out your mouth, Nicole Warrior or Warrior Nicole, and uh, and so are they saying to me take Jay Z out your mouth? podcasting prodigy Mike Schmidt perhaps they are and yet I can't live in fear of the beehive so I tell you now if you want to drive for Uber use my code all lowercase DJZW the number one Y-T-T-U-E or if you want to be a first time rider use my code DJZW the number one Y-T-T-U-E that's DJZW one Y-T-T-U-E I get a taste of the gig and it makes me very happy thank you so much for thinking of me go ahead and Uber to your heart's content and use my code the first time you do please 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 
Uh, yeah, we have a YouTube channel. Have I mentioned that? Get this. Here's something I did over the weekend with the help of my good friend, Casey Bills, who's a listener to the show, who's been volunteering his help. And also, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Andrew Bennett, who also offered to help, but I did not take him up on it because Andrew's a very busy person and I didn't want to be the guy who bothers him. Casey Bills is also busy, but he mentioned like three times. He's like, dude, I can help you. and It'll be really quick. So I actually finally took up Casey Bills on it because I'd waited long enough. Uh, KC helped me upload all of the previous podcasts that were not uploaded, uh, from December, December, January, February. We are, we are current right now in the YouTube channel. We are current with all the podcasts. That's right. So right now, if you were waiting for them to come to YouTube, which I don't know why you would be, but they're there. If you want to go and re-listen to episodes 20 through 42 of this show and 43 will be up in the next couple of days. Cause I learned how to do it. That's right, baby. I learned. I paid attention. I took copious notes and it took seven hours. Uh, it took, it was, it was, uh, three hours one day and it was four hours another day and we got everything uploaded and I learned. And, uh, and if there's anything more painful than learning, please, I want to know what it is because Holy fuck did I not want to do it. I didn't want to pay attention or learn, but I did. I made it work. And so now if you go to the, uh, YouTube channel and it's, uh, the mic, it's youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy. So there's, uh, there's all sorts of stuff. And, I'll, and will I be doing movie reviews and things like that eventually? Yes. Even though it seems weird to do movie reviews because everybody in the fucking world does movie reviews. And then I say to myself, well, nobody wants to hear me do movie reviews. I'm a goof. I know. I talk myself out of doing things that would make me fucking money or at least keep people on board or entertain people. I know. I don't understand it. Why? I don't know. Get off my back, man. It's, not, it's crowded on my back with me on there. So go please become a follower of the YouTube channel. And, uh, and check it out, man. We're happy. All the podcasts are in there. There's old standup clips. There's all sorts of bullshit. And eventually a bunch of Twitch clips are going to be in there. It's going to be great. Wait, did I mention Twitch? <gasps> I did. Uh, if you're a Twitch follower and you're here on the show, I was going to use one of the old catalog shows, but perhaps I'll do that next week. I keep threatening to do that. Uh, here, here with episode, uh, well, what was I calling this one? Episode tardy. I think I'll call this episode tardy. I think or episode outlier. I don't know. I'll figure out which one it's going to be. Uh, but the point is either way. If you're a Twitch person, then you already know about Twitch. But if you don't know about Twitch, twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm on there at least five times a week, usually six times a week, and I am streaming and I'm playing video games. Right now, we're in the middle of Vikings and Robots. That's a good game. Uh, it's actually called Horizon Event Dawn or Dawn Event Horizon or Horizon Event of the Colossus. I don't fucking know. All I know is it's a fucking redhead chick and I run all over and I, bunch, I fight a bunch of fucking robot dinosaurs. And uh, I killed a bunch of robot alligators yesterday night. That was totally fun. And I'm, I'm fighting warriors and braves. It's, uh, it's fucking badass. It's totally fun. Because I've played games that stink and I don't care for them. But this is a game. This is a game that I love. I'll tell you that. So uh, tune in, man. Every, uh, we're off Mondays because that's when I record the podcast. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> As I talk to you on Thursday fucking afternoon. Um. Once I grab the reins on my fucking life and fix it, then I'll have a recording day in place. But that's why I take Mondays off ostensibly. But I do stream Tuesday through Sunday and I'm there usually around three o'clock in the afternoon. But sometimes I'm at the gym late and all this stuff. But I need to, again, it's part of getting a hold of your life. You have to have a, a time, a set time for your job. And so people can count on you just like when they count on the podcast coming out every Thursday morning. Hi, look at me flying in the face of convention and destroying my own fucking norms. I am not a smart person, um, but uh, no, I'm a smart person. I just don't use your language against you. It's one of it's that's it. You be impeccable with your words. It's one of the four agreements. Um, <laughs> I have to give myself a fucking pep talk here on the goddamn air. Uh, but please come to the Twitch channel. Yawning. 
Come to the Twitch channel and subscribe. Uh, twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. And then you'll always know what I'm on. You can follow the channel. You can subscribe to the channel. If you have, if you're an Amazon prime person, you can subscribe with Amazon prime and then become a Twitch prime subscriber. And that gets me five bucks and it costs you nothing because you're already a prime subscriber. It's fucking perfect. Remember all that stuff I said earlier about Amazon? I'm taking it all back. Amazon fucking rules, man. They run the show. They got Amazon Prime subscriptions. They got Twitch Prime subscriptions. Uh, there's a link. If I mention the link, I'll get to that in a second. But first of all, remember, twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. I'm on there all the time playing Vikings and robots, playing Night in the Woods, playing all sorts of fun games. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be playing... Uh, there's a samurai game in August I'm going to be playing. I have all sorts of big plans for the rest of the year. Oh, oh, tune in. Don't you want to watch me play in a game? And uh, with my head in a postage stamp, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? So that's available. Go check it out. Uh, <laughs> go to my website, MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page, which is the Joe Business page. And then you'll see an Amazon link in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that and do all your Amazon shopping. And we get, a, we get money. They get money. You get stuff. It works out great. You're on, you're, look, you're going to Amazon anyway. You're shopping there. You're making stuff happen by going up there and doing that. And, uh, and, and so why wouldn't you go ahead and include us in your experience? It costs you nothing. It makes me everything. Go ahead and use the Amazon link. Go to, go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page. Upper right-hand corner of that Joe Business page, there's an Amazon link. Click on that, and then you're in Amazon. And you're shopping under the umbrella of our link. And everything you buy, we get credit for. It's fantastic. It helps out the show in such a way you wouldn't believe it. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. Thank you so much for ewing, uh, doing that. Ewing that? Thank you for Patrick Ewing that. Uh, but please do that. It supports the show. Just like when you subscribe on Twitch or any of those things, you support the show. And, uh, and I will support you better going forward, he said, as a guy who apologizes for things he shouldn't apologize for. Hi. And I want to go ahead and talk about this really fast. My buddy, Mike Siegel. I talked about it last week, but I had not seen the show. And now I've seen the show. Mike Siegel has a comedy special. You can find it at vidangel.com slash movie slash Mike hyphen Siegel, which is a very complicated address. Uh, but if you go to Mike Siegel's social media, his Facebook or his Twitter, I'm sure you can find the link. Uh, Mike Siegel is, um, you know, what Mike Siegel is, he's a fucking professional comedian. And, and that is, if you know me, that's an unbelievably high compliment. That is a guy just getting it done. And look, there's a lot of people out there that are comedians, they're funny, they're whatever. Mike is just money in the fucking bank. I watched the special. Like I said, vidangel, V-I-D-A-N-G-E-L.com, vidangel.com slash movie slash Mike hyphen Siegel. It costs a dollar. It costs you a dollar to watch the special. And if after the special you want to tip or give a little extra cash, uh, to our good friend, Mike, then you can, but it's, and, and, but I'll tell you this, by the time it's over, you'll definitely want to, there, the, there's a, uh, Mike hosts a podcast called travel tales, which I actually just did an episode of. I don't know when it's going to go up, but I, I recorded it with him recently. Mike is a citizen of the world and it shows in his material. You know, he's not myopic. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't punch down ever. I mean, he's just, he's just a really good, solid professional joke writing comedian. Like I talked about Jesuit where I'm like, you know what? That's a dude. He writes a podcast that you want to listen to. Mike Siegel writes comedy. You want to listen to for me. I mean, and, and I think you'd like it too. If you like me, you like Mike. We're completely different. I'm all over the goddamn place, but he's also got laser fucking surgery jokes. And he's so damn, not jokes about laser surgery, but I mean, laser guided jokes. He does really good work. I don't want to give his material away, but he talks about you know, he talks about traveling in the world. He talks about Alaska. He talks about Germans. He talks about running into Australians. Um, you know, he talks about, uh, it's, I just, it's just really solid, great comedy. Mike Siegel is, uh, it's available at vidangel.com slash movie slash Mike hyphen Siegel. 
And uh, and it, it's so good, dude. So go ahead and check it out. He's really good. He deserves your dollar and anything else you want to give him after. And I don't just say this because he's my friend. You know me. I, I mean, I wouldn't tell you something was good if it wasn't good. Um, all right, let's put it this way. I wouldn't tell you I loved something if I didn't love it. And I loved this episode of Paranoid Strain. And I loved Mike's comedy special. They're, that's just, they're just great. And so you should invest your time and, and hopefully your money in them. And I will tell you this. You want to talk about things that I loved. Uh, I had big plans Monday, things I was going to do. I had all this and that and the other thing. I, I, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to stream and I'm going to do this. I got to go grocery shopping because my life, um, you know, we talk about weighing in. I think I've talked about that on the first. I weigh in every month now. And I had goals, certainly. Uh, but May got away from me. I was a little worried about May. But then it turns out I weighed in on June 1st and I lost four pounds in May. So I'm happy about that. I've lost 18 total for the year. I need to lose a lot fucking more, but that's okay. We're still, we're still moving forward. All that matters is that we're moving forward. That's all that matters. Cause I only lost one pound in April that I was really fucking. That's why May sucked. I was like, God damn it. But then, uh, I lost four in May and I'm, and it, it re-energizes you and it's like, all right, you know, so now I want to lose 20 in June. I mean, who the fuck knows? I just, I really want to make good things happen. So I, uh, I talk about things that I love on here and, and, becoming better. So Monday I had plans and then Monday I fucking, I had to get up early. I had to pick up my buddy and take him from long beach to his house. And then I got home and I, I, I was active. I did stuff all day. I worked. And then I sat down at six o'clock and I went to sleep. I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up at fucking like nine 15 and I'm like, God, because I was, I had no, I'd only had like four hours of sleep the previous night and I got to stop doing that. I need eight hours of fucking sleep at night. It's just, uh, whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying not hard enough, but I'm trying. So I woke up Monday night and I'm like, well, I can go grocery shopping now. Well, what can I do? What do I need to do? I'm hungry, but I want to go eat, but I want to go grocery shopping instead. And then I went, you know what? There's another thing I wanted to do. And I almost did it over the weekend, but finally I made myself do it. I went to see, uh, I said, fuck this. I went to see rocket man, the Elton John movie. And, uh, you know, I told you I loved Paranoid Strand and I loved Mike Siegel. And I'm going to tell you about this. God damn it, dudes. And I told you about bright bones last week and whatever the fuck that was just fun to go with, with Pat. That was a summer movie. It was 90 minutes of disposable entertainment. Uh, Rocket Man fucking nailed me. It's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's funny because it was, I, I described it to somebody as such. I said, um, this movie completely surprised me. And yet it was exactly what I expected it to be. If that makes sense. Uh, I will, the one thing that was very shocking to me, and I will tell you this, was I, I thought it would be like Bohemian Rhapsody or any of these biopics, The Doors, and they would have Elton singing his songs. You know, you'd get to hear Elton's songs, and then they would mix and match it with the other guy, because I knew that Taron Edgerton, I think is his name, I, he was going to sing some in the, in the movie. Well, uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, they use Elton John's music throughout the entire movie, and you don't hear Elton John's voice once until the closing credits, when he has a new song that he sang with Taron. But Taryn sings all of the Elton stuff, the entire show. And uh, dudes, I, I thought that would make me mad. Um, it, let's put it this way. If I thought beforehand that I wasn't going to hear Elton John's voice, I would have been angry. But after the movie, all I've listened to on Spotify now is the Rocketman soundtrack with Taryn's versions of those songs. His, just his voice, you know, the first song he sings in the movie uh, basically someone says, Hey, what were you like as a child, Elton? And he says, as a child. And then the music kind of tinkles. And then he just goes, I was justified when I was five. A- and dude, I-, I have goosebumps. I've made, I just gave myself goosebumps. You can imagine when, when the good person singing, it sings it. I remember the moment from the movie. I just, I just knew then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to love this. And I did. It's 
You ever see Moulin Rouge? Okay, that's what this is. It's Moulin Rouge with Elton John's music. And I will tell you this, Rocket Man tells the oldest story in the world. Person wants love, doesn't get love, does everything they can to find substitutes for love, and then eventually finds love. It is, there can be no older story when the first caveman beat a fucking woolly mammoth bone onto a rock. That was the story he was telling. He was mourning some other fucking cave chick who wouldn't fuck him. I, I don't care. That is the oldest, oldest, oldest story in the world. Person needs love, can't find love, tries to do everything they can to substitute instead of love, but then eventually finds love. Now, let's put it this way. The oldest story is the, the first four-fifths of that. You're hoping it has the, the conclusion, the, the, the satisfying conclusion of the arc where they find love because there are many people searching for love and try to substitute and then they don't find it. So when you see someone who finds it, you celebrate it. And, uh, and look, I'm a softy, I'm a sap, and I can insert myself, I can inject myself into any storyline you got. And, and, I, I, and this guy had, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, let's put it this way. I was describing a scene to my friend Michelle. Michelle was in town and I, I was describing because I asked her to go to see it with me on the night she flew into town, but she got into town late, like 10 o'clock and I had to be in Long Beach the next morning. It just didn't work out. So then I went Monday night because it was, I, I wanted to see this movie so badly. I didn't want to wait anymore. And I went to see it. Uh, and and uh, then I saw her Tuesday as I took her to the airport and I tried to describe, I described a scene that's a pivotal scene. And uh, I cried in the car. Like I got, I teared up and I, I choked up and I'm like, I can't. And then she cried because of the scene, hopefully not crying at the fact that a grown man was crying, driving a car. I have no fucking idea, but it, um, I mean, you know, me granted after listening to this fucking scrambled eggs of a show for, for the first hour, I, I don't know, you, you know, and I'm pretty close to the bone on a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know how my, my relationship with my father or lack of relationship with my father and the fact that I lost him, uh, the day before my 13th birthday. And the last time I ever talked to him, I ignored him. And, and, uh, you know, you know how that affects me. And, uh, you know, as I, as I get older, I learn other things and I, and, and other relationships, you know, how I, how I treated my ex-wife and, and how I was not the best husband I could have been, how I was not that. And then also then, ensuing relationships, how I was treated and the mistakes I made within them and the mistakes that were made toward me. And, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm an open wound a lot of the time. I don't mean to be, and I'm not saying it in some badge of honor way. I'm, I'm just really, really, uh, close to the bone. You, 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 I feel a lot of stuff and I saw this movie and there, there's a, uh, I can't even tell you the fucking closing scene because you will just be, you, when you see it, if you've had any sense in your life that you've been pursuing love and not getting it, and then you see this, the, the, the way the movie unfolds, you know, and you see the way he's treated and you see what he's come from, you know, because again, it's another thing where people are like, oh, Elton John is fucking rich. I can't feel bad for him. Oh, I can't feel bad for this person. I can't. And, and that's, that's incorrect. I, I never, let's put it this way. I didn't think about how important Elton John's music was to me. It was just always part of my life. But as this movie approached, I really thought about it. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this, this music means so much to me. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, when I was, I was fucking, 
uh, I remember staring at the cover of the album Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy because it was like a comic book. You know, I remember um, the... uh, I, the, I had the album Rock of the Westies, and I used to play it over and over, over and over. There's a song called Yell Help. There's uh, Grow Some Funk of Your Own. I mean, they're, they're just songs that aren't hits. You know, the the I feel like a gun, a gun in the uh, a bullet in the gun of Robert Ford is is amazing. My father's gun. I mean, these are these are incredible songs. And I did a show once where I talked about Elton John, and I said, uh, "How angry must Bernie Taupin be that he would write these poignant lyrics about his father?" And then Elton John would go out and wear a duck costume and fucking ruin them in front of 50,000 people. But in reality, when you see this movie, if it's true and Elton's involved in the making of it and Bernie Taupin's involved in the making of it. So you assume that it's true. You realize that Elton interpreted it because I will tell you this. The movie Rocket Man is a love letter to Bernie Taupin. That, that's what it is. You can he's with his husband, David, certainly now. And uh, and but but in the movie, you realize that Elton John, the one the one person who's loved him his entire life from the entire moment they've met was Bernie Taupin. And the fact that they still work together, they're still friends that they still are in each other's lives is, is so fantastic. And such a, it's such a perfect coda to the story because you see, uh, you know, people take and they take and they take and they take from him and, and Bernie Taupin never took from him. Bernie Taupin gave to him. He basically gave him Elton John. He gave him the lyrics. You know, Elton John became, he was Reginald Dwight and he became Elton John, but with Bernie Taupin's help, the, he, he became Elton John. Um, but there were, there were facts in there that I didn't even understand. Like, the, dude, in 1976, Elton John was responsible for 5% of all record sales in the world. What the fuck? Think of that. Think of how huge he was. So watching this movie, you know, in addition to having the art affect me, the personal story and the story arc affected me in a way that I, I that you know because you followed the show and you know who I am and you know what I've I've lived and and will affect you if you've lived anything like that. You know, the first time I ever said I love you to a woman, Levon was playing on the radio. Uh I remember it vividly. I also remember it vividly because um I I cried because I had never said that to a woman before, which by the way, that's the way to seal the deal with a woman. Oh my God. I'll tell you what, if you're in a tender moment and you're making eye contact and you're sitting there and you're just that thing where you can't stop staring into each other's eyes and kind of caressing each other's hair and you're, you're losing yourself in each other's being. And then you say, I love you for the first time in your life. Go ahead and sob afterwards. Cause that's really going to seal the deal with her. Oh, she's going to love you. She's going to be like, Oh, Great. You know, literally, she, what can she say? Thanks. I mean, you know, she's got a, she has no point. She has no choice at that point to say, I love you, whether she does or she doesn't, or you're going to fucking jump out a window, it looks like. Jesus Christ. But just the, uh, I can remember when I said it, and and I said it, and then the the passage, uh, Jesus, he wants to go to Venus, leaving Levon far behind, take a balloon and go sailing. I, I, I just, I remember it when it happened, and I was like, I just, it just, because all of a sudden it was like, I was saying, I love you, but also there was this, this separation going on. And also Levon is, uh, Jesus's father. And then he leaves him and it, all, I don't know why it all smashed in my head like a car wreck at that moment, but it did because I was revealing myself. I was being vulnerable in that way for the first time ever. And, uh, and, and I'm, as you know, half a basket case. So it, it really put me in a spot. And I, I teared up and cried right in front of the girl I loved. Hi, <laughs> foolish. Um, and then seeing this movie, man, and and I I wish I could share with you 
the I, uh, bullshit. I've shared it with you. I've shared with you the idea of someone needing love, finding love, looking for love forever, substituting love with drugs, with alcohol, with shopping, with sex. And uh, look, man, I, I'm I'm sitting here in front of you now, telling you I I recognize that, and I I you know I chose food rather than drugs, um, and alcohol, you know. But I I recognize that instinct, that thing where you think you're not loved, or you're not going to be loved, or you were loved and it's gone, and you don't know why it left, and you don't know what the fuck happened, and you're trying to figure out what to do, and you know what? It's a lot easier to go ahead and dive into a pile of fucking chocolate bars than think about exactly what happened. And then you wonder if it'll happen again. And you think to yourself, well, you know, I mean, I can't be alone. You can't be alone. You can't just fucking not be loved. That seems ridiculous. But then you go, well, no, you're loved. But are you loved that way? And you go to bed alone and you think, well, what if you threw your arm over somebody or your leg over somebody's waist? Wasn't that great when that happened? That was the fucking best. And, uh, and seeing in this movie, you know, that's, that's who he was. And that's who I am. And that's who you are. And that's, that's who every person in the human race is. You're just, you're just someone who wants to pull somebody close at night and, and, and smell them and feel them breathe and know that they are yours and you are theirs and, and, and nothing can ever pull them away. That's all you want. And this movie made that happen in a way where I was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's, it's, it's all of his issues. And then he fights through them and then he becomes, you know, he's, it's just, again, it's that a tale old, as old as forever. It doesn't matter how fucking famous or big or, or loved you get you're, you, you have to fix it within yourself. There's the scene where he, he looks and it's funny. I, I'll tell you this. There's a goodbye yellow brick road. You know, you know that song. It's, it's unbelievable. And it plays at a pivotal point in this movie. Well, when I, in 1993 or 94, I was working at a pizza place and my brother Scott worked with me and I've told this story. We wound up having a fight in the kitchen and all this shit. I mean, by year one, but, uh, he was dating a girl named Alyssa who worked in the pizza place and Alyssa was like a good girl. I I don't know how any other way to explain it. She had, she was in college. She was there, you know, it was funny because Scott was, you know, he was fucking high all the time. He was just a, was a hothead. And, and I think maybe she saw that she could fix him or I, I don't know. And or maybe she just loved him. He's a lovable guy. I mean, I could see that. But Alyssa was with Scott and we liked Alyssa. You know, she'd come over to the apartment and she'd hang out. Well, one day we're at work and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road plays on the radio. You know, we, we had a radio going all the time in the pizza place. And she's at the counter. And she asks if she can excuse herself and she kind of walks away and she's crying. She walks to the back of the restaurant and, and of course I look at Scott and I'm like, what the fuck did you do? Cause I thought he did something and he's like, I don't know. I didn't do anything. You know I mean? I, she was in the front. So we let her have her moment. Scott went to check on her cause he's her boyfriend and, and I'm in, I'm working and I'm like, well, what the fuck? So I take over or whatever. She comes to the front and she's just like, oh man, I'm sorry about that. And she's like, oh man. And she's wiping her eyes and I'm like, are you okay? She goes, yeah, it's just that song. I'm like, what song? And she goes, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. She's like, my mom used to sing that to me. Um, and so it really has a lot of meaning to me. Like she would sing it to me when I went to sleep. And then she would sing. It was just when I was very small, that was, that was the song my mom used. She would sing to me. And it affects me. And my brother Scott and I are like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's just, it just moves me. It's very affecting. And we're like, oh, okay. And so what we looked at that as was a free hall pass to anytime Alyssa was there, we would look at her and we would do this fucking dreamy thing. We're like, 
Imagine if you're like moving your shoulders back and forth and you're looking at somebody and you go, when are you going to come down? And she would go, what are you doing, you assholes? When are you going to land? She'd be like, oh my God, stop. And she'd walk away and Scott and I'd be like, ha ha, and we'd high five because we were fucking jagoffs. because I was able to take somebody's emotional moment and exploit it for my humor capabilities. What a dick. When I, we, and we did it all the time, all the fucking time. When are you going to come down? And I'm like, oh, dude, you're not serious, right? I mean, I did it. We did it constantly. We thought it was funny. We thought it was hilarious. And she would get mad, like really mad. And I don't blame her because we were taking a special moment from her childhood and pretending like we were doing it to make her cry. I mean, what what ass fucks we were. I can't believe the insensitivity. I can. Let's put it this way. I fucking can. I was 20 fucking five or whatever the fuck. I was just a dick. 27, Jesus Christ, I was almost 30, and I'm doing that to somebody, what the fuck, what a dick, Scott had an excuse, all right, he's banging her at least, I mean, I'm just a fucking jag off, when are you gonna come down, oh man, what a shit bag, right, so, uh, I never thought about it in that context. I mean, like, you know, you, cause I told you I've done a bunch of dumb shit. And then I look back and I go, man, that was fucked. What are you doing? It's like, even when I'm telling you about Kyle Lowry and the fucking billionaire, Hey, I used to heckle people all the goddamn time. We threw aspirin at Daryl Porter at Comiskey park after he got out of drug rehab. I mean, that's, that's I'm not joking. I mean, we were fucking shit bags. I mean, I, I, one time I got banned from my high school baseball field because I heckled the other team so intensely. They would ask the catcher, who is that fucking guy? That's not even a joke. That's completely true. I went to, and I never went to baseball games. It just so happened I had detention and I walked over to the fucking ballpark. There was a game going on and I said, well, fuck this. And I heckled and I wasn't, I wasn't vulgar, but I heckled the shit out of the other team. Every batter, I gave him a nickname, every fucking dude. I I mocked his fucking stance. If he'd strike, I was just that guy to the point where my buddy, Alan Welch was the catcher. And he tells me the next day, he goes, our dugout could not stop laughing. Like we were fucking dying. And he goes, and every one of their batters would come up and they go, who the fuck is that guy? And he was just laughing behind the plate. And then the next day I get called to the Dean's office and I get fucking banned from baseball games at my high school forever. So I'm, I, so when I talk about a guy heckling or fucking, and I'm, and now I'm outraged by it. Yeah. I recognize it because you learn, you grow older and you learn. That's not cool, man. Just like it's not cool what I did to Alyssa when we made fun of her with her fucking song. But I got my comeuppance over the weekend. Because at this pivotal moment in the movie, at this moment where Elton John finally kind of realizes, Jesus fucking Christ, what has happened? What's gone wrong? What can I do? He looks in the fucking mirror and the song starts and he's like, he goes, uh, and, and, and I, 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 God damn dude. And I just, I just started crying. I was a mess of the whole movie. I was a mess of the whole movie because I related to it personally. Not just the fact that his music means so much to me, but the fact that his story arc completely is my life. It's your story. It's my story. It's everybody's fucking story. You want love and you can't find it. And you don't know if you'll ever find it. So you do what you can to substitute until you find it. And all you're doing is hoping to get it. And he's just getting taken from and taken from and taken from and nobody's giving. And I don't want to even tell you, because it's funny, I saw some reviewers and they're like, well, it's a little too on the nose. And I'm like, no, no, it's not on the nose if you lived it. It's not on the nose if you recognize that that's what that is and that's how you feel and that's how a lot of people feel. It's about feeling, it's about emotion and it's fucking right there, man. And that Terran dude, he just tears his fucking heart out and throws it on a goddamn fucking countertop on the screen and says, go ahead, everybody punch the shit out of it as Elton John. I mean, you just, you just feel it. You feel it in your fucking veins. 
You feel the need for love and the fact that you don't get it. And, and you feel him with his father and him with his mother and him with fucking his manager and him with everybody and the fans. And, you know, there's a reason he goes. It's like in Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, they show where Freddie has the parties and he's like, darlings. And he jumps up on a piano and everybody's like, yay. And it gives you that thing where Freddie's he's alone in a room full of people. But they hit you over the head with it. With Elton, he doesn't even acknowledge the people at the party. That's how alone he is. He, you know, Freddie at least stood up on in a dressing gown and was, tried to be fabulous, and then he then he made a face because you're like, oh, he's pretending to be the life of the party, but he's really not. Well, Elton's not even the life of the party. Elton's a ghost in his own fucking mansion. Everybody else is doing whatever the fuck they want, and he's just drifting through because nobody's doing anything except taking and taking and taking, and he can't get any love from anybody. It's fucking brutal, man. It's brutal. And maybe I read too much into a movie, and maybe I put too much of myself in the story, but it's there. And if you've ever felt unloved or you've ever felt not loved enough or you ever worried that you're never going to find love again, go see it. You'll be a fucking mess. But at the same fucking time, it's worth it because you can see that, you know what? You're not alone. Your experience is, is being experienced by so many rich and famous or poor and down and out or whoever the fuck. Everybody's fucking alone. We don't want to be. You try not to be. And then when you're finally not, you cling to it desperately, hoping you won't be alone again, man. I recognize that fucking feeling. I recognize it. And it was there, prevalent in the movie. And uh, and you should see it because it's fantastic. And I can't wait to see it again. And I, I, I just fucking, I wish I could play it on the way out here because it's just it's just his interpretations because they, they reimagine the songs. They reinterpret them. There's a song called I Need Love that Elton wrote. And again, I should tell you, they jump around timelines. They're not, they, they, and there's songs that they didn't use. There's a song that I could not believe they didn't use. And there's a point in the movie where I'm like, all right, this is where this is going to be. And the song choice they use instead works just as well, if not better. But I thought for sure they were going to use my song that I wanted them to use. Not my song, which is another song he did. (laughs) No, he did your song. Um, But that's in the movie. What the fuck? Who cares? Go see it. It's fucking brilliant. I can't stress it enough. And this, this episode does not count against your regular episodes. Go ahead and take this for what it will be and go ahead and figure out to yourselves what you want to do at the end. I don't know if you got a spreadsheet and you chart in Mike Schmidt's episodes and how you fucking handle it. But again, I retitle it. It's going to be their episode tardy or episode outlier. And you can go ahead and say to yourself, well, you know what? This doesn't count against my yearly allotment. This is not, this is not one of the regular 52. So this is just bonus. This is special. This is a present. You know what it is? It's a bonus episode. Now I know bonuses are supposed to be good. So I guess we'll just call it an extra episode. You know who I am? I'm like a late Santa. I just, I came down your chimney late. You know who I am? Oh, I'm the Santa from gremlins. That's who I am. I'm like fucking the Santa from gremlins. I'm dying. I died in your chimney with this show. And now my bones are going to fall on your fucking head when you go looking for it. That's how it works, right? That's who I am. I'm Phoebe Cates' Santa. I'm her fucking dad. I'm the bad Santa from gremlins who just fucking came down your chimney with the show a fucking day late. And now I'm going to die and you're going to have to fucking reach up into my bones to pull out this fucking content.
Fuck you, Schmitty. You don't come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Egg, 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 egg.